Uh, what, which offer was it again? It's the Givecast! The Star Wars Collector's Archive Podcast. A monthly audio magazine dedicated to vintage Star Wars toys and memorabilia. Hosted by Sky Payne, Fudd, and Stephen B. Denny. Market data by Brisbane Brisbane Mike and Fratastic Pete. Tech support by the Lowbar. Skycast starts its coverage of the Return of the Jedi figures with Sky's interview with Luke Jedi Mega Focus collectors Bob Martinazzi and Sean Kemple. But first, he guides Steve through his trip to the huge vintage get-together from earlier this month in the DC area with many additional interviews and sound taken straight from the four-day international collector's event. It's an episode with all the usual content in a completely mixed-up order because Kivecast content can neither be created nor destroyed. Wampa Wampa. Welcome to Kivecast 76. Yeah, I, I don't know. I thought 75 was too long, Steve. You uh, you were definitely pushing the sky limits there. <laughs> well, the thing was, we got all those reports from CJ and from Chris, and, and we even yeah. got reports from Matthias. Yes. Um, by the way, we're going to be saying his name a lot this show, so I'm just going to say it one time so you get the drop. Matthias. Okay, that's, that's going to be enough, because I can't put in the drop. I don't want to spend all September putting together drops with putting in Matthias's drop, but yeah, I, I think it was a little bit too long, and I say that knowing that this episode might be just as long. Yeah, it might, it might even top it. <laughs> but uh, it's been yeah. a pretty busy month, Steve. It has. It's been. It's been probably one of the busiest months. I can ever think of. <laughs> I, I bet it has. So yeah. for those of you who are, are faithful listeners and listening for a long time, uh, you have seen growing from a, a a seed in the ground the love between Steve and his lady friend. And <laughs> now Steve is officially Mr. Lady Friend. Yes, that's, he, that's uh, correct. She's not my special lady. She's my lady friend. I'm just helping her conceive, man. He tied the knot and it was a, a very a very fun uh, wedding. Um, you were a huge. You were a huge part of it, man. I have to say. Um, well, that I, was that was really <laughs> fun. So Steve asked me to to officiate his wedding. Um, did it go how you thought it would go when you asked me to officiate your wedding? It, it went like better. Seriously, I mean, you you like fulfilled the dude man duties beyond <laughs> anyone's wildest expectations. Seriously, people were so so happy with it, and me and Tessa included. So. Well, that, that's really nice. I mean, it was funny because I went I went to California with my family. I actually stayed with Lobart. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was like thinking – I like, looked up online like, what do you do when you officiate a wedding? And it was like, <laughs> number one, write a sermon. I was like, oh my god, I got to write a sermon. And so I got <laughs> – And I, I gave you such like vague instructions as well. <laughs> yeah, you were like, don't include like you know anything religious. And then you're like, if you want to include some French stuff, that's fine. <laughs> and I immediately went on this whole track with Pascal and oh Life. man, so that was that was the abandoned original draft. <laughs> well, that was what the eventual thing turned out. I don't know. Eventually, okay. Steve, uh, we may have to that may have to be a super deep cut for uh, Space Freaks, uh, yeah. get, getting copies of the sermon of the wedding. Oh that I man! Gave you. But you know, I thought about it, and I thought, you know, we have fans who actually like us as as much as I can't believe that. Um, <laughs> but like, if Jimmy Mack officiated uh, Jason Swank's wedding, I would think right, that was right. awesome. I, I'd yeah. want to hear that. So, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that could be like a. 
a bonus uh bonus track a b-side somewhere i don't know yeah and uh and and there is i did sneak one star wars reference into it um but it was so obscure that even brock who was the only other star wars person there even brock didn't pick it up God. so <laughs> yeah i've told you about that steve right uh you know what i I think you did, but I my my mind and memory of things is so blurry oh, yeah. that I've, I'm I'm going back to it. But well, it's um, okay. You can reread it sometime. And, okay, and, I, I have it. I'm and, gonna I'm gonna reread it and discover. It. But yeah, that was yes. that was fun. That was up in in Portland, and you know a lot of today's episode today's episode. What am I? Uh, a lot of this month's <laughs> issue is going to be about friendship and collecting. Yes, and it was really neat because. You know, Brock is one of Steve's best friends, and I like yep. to think of myself as one of Steve's best friends. And, you are. And you I've are. I've known Brock for eleven years. I've spent probably ten to fifteen hours with him, but I never actually really had a chance to like talk with him. Yeah. So yeah. it was just this really fun thing of like we talked about Star Wars a little bit, but not a lot. And it was mostly just getting to know each other. And we always talk on this show about how important time is. Um, but it's really for the social aspect. It's really important as well. Yeah, yeah. Because I've for over a decade thought that guy's cool, but never really gotten to know him that well. And, and now I feel like I really do. So, yeah, uh, that was kind of like one of my my hidden agendas. Is hopefully you guys would get to spend some time together. <laughs> well, that's funny. Well, it it, it worked out. Then we actually ended up hanging around with Steve's family. Yeah, that that <laughs> I, I'm so like I wish. I was a fly on the wall for that, or that it was there. It was. <laughs> Man, your family is wild, Steve. They, they are. <sighs> Whatever yeah. image you have of Steve as being this like reserved guy. <laughs> whoa, man! Steve's family is whoo. Man, they're they're uh, they're an interesting bunch. <laughs> they, they are, but uh, but it was actually really sweet. Um, for those of you who, one of my favorite parts of the weekend was Brock and I explaining to Steve's family how great Steve was. <laughs> And how good he is at being on the podcast and organizing the California club and all this stuff. And they couldn't believe it because, of course, uh, Steve doesn't brag about himself. <laughs> but it's actually yeah. funny. I, I just learned today that people who – in Spanish, there's this expression for people uh -huh. who brag a lot. What's what that? You say about them, they don't need a grandmother. No necesita una abuela. Like, because your grandmother always gives you the compliments and says right, how great right. you are. Yes. Oh, so, man. I just All learned right. that today. That's pretty good. <laughs> I'm going to have to remember that. That is good. But you know what, Steve? We're doing this first episode of Return of the Jedi. We said farewell with our six and a half hour jubilee <laughs> that we recorded for 75. Yeah, we just couldn't let go of Empire Strikes Back. We, we that, couldn't that let time go. Pass. It is over. And we haven't even talked about what the figure of the month is this month, Steve. No, no. Of uh, course, so if we're <laughs> starting with the Return of the Jedi, who should it be, Steve? Well, it depends. I think what we're going with might might uh, counter common opinion, but um, yeah. we're going Luke Jedi first. Yeah. Now it should but be there's, Akbar. There's a good reason for it. Yeah, it should be Akbar. Yes. Um, but we thought that that was predictable. And things that are predictable are a trap. So we wanted to mix it up. To make a true Admiral Akbar episode, we had to make a trap so that – no. Um, it was actually, for reasons that will become clear, a chance popped up to interview Sean Kempel and Bob Martinazzi about Luke Jedi, which we'll be doing at the end of the episode. But right. that's the fun thing, Steve. This episode is going to be a long and winding road. Oh, my God, Steve.
<laughs> you did it. <laughs> I mentioned that. Is this the second time on the show I've mentioned the long and winding road? It is the second time. Yeah. <laughs> what is wrong with me? I don't I like don't that song at all. I know all. you don't like that song. That's why it's, this is just cracking me up. What's it's the, the Obled Dibladam am I thinking? Oh my god, I've done it again! Uh, How many bad Beatles songs can I get stuck in my head? I just feel like a fool on the hill. Okay, I have to stop. You left me waiting here. This song sucks. A long, long time ago. Why are you singing like that, you schmuck? Don't leave me standing here. I'd like to get out of here any way I can. This song really blows monkey chunks. So yeah, so we're going to arrive at this awesome double interview. But we're going to get there through a long way. Because basically, like I said, this is a, a month of collector togetherness. So yes. Steve and I doing the wedding. And to be honest... I could do a whole episode just about that wedding, just talking about those experiences. That'd be really fun. Um, but I don't know if that's if this is the place for it. But last month was also a very special event, Steve. Yes. And it's an event that someone very important did not go to, Steve. Well, I don't know about very important, but I, I am like incredibly sad <laughs> that we couldn't be there for that. Um, so what the that that he's speaking about that is yeah the uh, the the next big uh, international collectors event in Washington D.C. So we've talked about these a few times. Uh, this is the third of these international collector events, right? And every time we talk about them, well, I used to get really uneasy. Yeah, because it is an exclusive event that is by invite only. Right. And our podcast is founded upon the idea that everybody's invited to the hangout at the party of talking about vintage Star Wars toys. Right. And this is a party for vintage Star Wars toys where not everyone is invited. So it happened a couple weeks ago over Labor Day in D.C. And I've really been thinking about it. And I think the way that we've described it before really works, which is that these are parties – in which no money is made, okay? There's right. no read pop. There's no Lucasfilm. <laughs> there's about a committee of, I don't know, 10 to like around 10 people in the geographical area. So the first time it was in Seattle. The next time it was in the Carolinas. This mm -hmm. time it was in uh, Virginia, Maryland, D.C. Yeah. And these people spend literally thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours to put mm -hmm. on a crazy awesome Star Wars party. It's 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 remarkable. I it's mean, it's remarkable, and they can only invite enough people that can fit, fit in their houses. They can fit in their right? houses. I mean, that's it. Yeah, that's how they do it. So they invite the people. The main people that are there are locals, so members of the Detroit. Right, right. Destroy. Yeah, so I'm, I'm assuming you got to meet a lot of uh, uh, local DC collectors that, that you probably hadn't before. I'm right. Yes. Yeah. We're gonna yeah. be we're gonna be talking about uh, at least one of them in the in the okay. upcoming show. Great. And it. So it's mostly locals and then other people that those locals know well enough to invite into their house. Right. So that's kind of the way I'm thinking about it. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to be involved in the planning of one of these shows. 
And I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, and sometimes Steve, I think you will as well. I hope so. I hope yeah. in California. So like when I think about all the collectors in California that weren't there, right? Mm-hmm. Like awesome dudes who absolutely love, but it's yeah. like, how am I going to tell, how am I going to say, hey, thanks for inviting me to your house, but there's this other guy and you don't <laughs> know him and you've never met him, but he should come too. So it ends up being kind of, kind of exclusive that way, but I'm tired of apologizing for that. Okay. (laughs) Cause if you're listening to the show, you're going to, and you keep listening to the show, you're going to be one of these eventually because you're a serious collector and and you're dedicated to this hobby. And that's why he listened to this show. Um, and what I wanted to do was, again, this is my second reference to, uh, to Rebel Force Radio, but they always do this thing at celebration, you know, leave no fan behind. Right. That's that's what they say. Well, Steve, you were left behind. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't necessarily, you know, out of being uninvited. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but, uh, but 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 right. But you couldn't make it. No, just I like someone make who it. can't make it to celebration because they're too busy yeah. at work. And there were some people who were invited who couldn't make it. And yeah. Um, so it's what I want to do is I want to take you through the entire event. Yeah, that sounds awesome. (laughs) You, Steve, are going to be in place of our listeners. I'm going to take you to the fabulous collections that I got to visit, like those of Jonathan McElwain and Bill McBride. I'm going to take you behind the scenes to the crazy room sales and the drunken parties and the drunken room sales. I'm going to take you on the road trips for the funny jokes, like the part where Yehuda climbed a plastic cow. Actually, that's it. That's the whole story there. Yeah. Um, and we're just gonna—I'm just gonna kind of take you through it and share it with you. And awesome. And what I want the audience to feel, if I can ask you to feel something, is that you're kind of coming along. And as you go along, you, there's all these awesome things I saw, Steve, that I'd never seen before. And yeah. I, and I talk about them with people, some of them who I'd never met before, and like just learning about all these toys. And it was just essentially a weekend where all I did was think about Star Wars toys. Um, and hang out with friends. Ah, it sounds like a perfect weekend. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a perfect weekend. Basically, they are celebrations without the celebration. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Which is some of the best stuff to do. Um, so that's, that's really what this episode is going to be. And at the very end of it, um, because Bob Martinazzi is a, uh, is a DC, a Baltimore area club. So we end the whole story. Uh, we end the whole weekend. At his house. As a matter of fact, I had to leave the party early. There was an entire uh, event on a beach, and I didn't get to go to that last event. I had to drive home, and I left. I actually stayed later just to interview the two uh, Luke Jedi characters, uh, I mean, character-focused collectors who we haven't interviewed. Of course, three months ago, we interviewed Bill Wills. Right. And so we're going to really get a great introduction to what is the ultimate Jedi character, which is Luke Jedi. Of course, the other ultimate Jedi character is the Emperor, but it'll be a while till we get there. <laughs> yeah. So that's that, Steve. I've been talking a lot. I think I'm going to be talking a lot, Steve. I apologize for that. How are hey, you doing? It's all right. I'm doing great. This is. Uh, <laughs> I'm just excited to be able to hear all this because uh, I, I would see pictures here and there, and and that that would just make me long for what the heck was going on. But this is this is going to be great to actually to hear some of it. So I'm oh, stoked. Awesome, and I did want to say too, Steve. That the archive party needs a little bit of a mention here. Yes, it does. So archive party three, I can't believe we've done three of these, is going <laughs> to be when, Steve? 
So it's uh, Thursday, April 13th at the Hyatt Regency Orlando, which is like one of those hotels connected by one of the sky bridges, uh, which is nice. So that's the um, Thursday of celebration. Yeah, it's, it's opening night of, of celebration. And I want to tell this to all of you out there. If you hear these stories about these events and you think, oh, geez, I wish I could go to those, I totally hear you. The Archive Party is one of those events. I, yeah, I'd say if out of all the things going on at, at Celebration, the Archive Parties are, you know, they emanate what's going on at these collector events more than anything. So um, because, because we're not getting paid. We don't nope. make money. We raise charity. We give away tons of free swag. And we, we get as many people in the room as we can. <laughs> exactly. And it's just hanging out, talking toys and drinking. And yep. that's... That's that's what it's all about. Not necessarily drinking, because really, Steve, amongst everyone that we hung out with, the only people who drank were the people who I was hanging out with. <laughs> it's very weird. Not uh, a lot of drinking know, going there's, on. There's, in a, there. there's a connection there. <laughs> there's kind of a connection. I you know I'd, I'd always like run into Brock and I'd be like, Hey man, how's it going? <laughs> um, but as I often talk about, you know, like I drink maybe three, maybe maybe two. One to two glasses of alcohol a week. Um, and then when I'm around Star Wars collectors, I drink one to two glasses of alcohol about an hour. Yeah. yeah so. so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, so that's what the archive party is. It's that Thursday. Do what you have to do to go to the party. Okay. Yeah. Don't yeah. think, oh, well, I kind of have to work on Thursday, so I won't be able to get out there, so I won't be able to do it. It's the best thing that happens at celebration. We can say it now. We've done it twice. It's always been the best. It's going to be the best again. It's yep. not sanctioned. It's not official, but it's 100% Star Wars Collector's Archive Party. All yep. of those words are the best words, right? <laughs> I'm like, they are. I'm like, Trump, I got the best words. I'm very highly educated. I know words. I have the best words. You got, you got the best words. <laughs> Star Wars Collector's Archive Party. <laughs> Uh, hey, and the last thing, uh, if, if anyone is interested in sponsoring, uh, we still have a few spots left. So, um, And how much does that you, cost, Steve? Because so I talked to Matthias and he said, uh, how did that cost uh, $2,600? I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, Krona? $2,600. Maybe, maybe in Krona, but uh, no, it's $375, which, which is higher than the past, but these things just keep getting more and more expensive. Like the, the hotels are known – like I – I think they know, like, oh, man, we can really... <laughs> right. But yeah. we're not going to apologize for that price because nope. for that price, it's, you it's... get all you get extra sponsor swag, which is really cool. It has included many amazing things in the past like special coins and special card backs and right. really exclusive stuff. Yep. Plus, you get to bring a guest. You get to bring a guest. You get to bring a guest. Plus, you really help us put this thing on because yeah, that's the whole yeah. point. We only we don't make any money. All the money that we make goes to charity. So the more sponsors we have, the less money we have to charge people to get in. So you right. giving us money means other people have more fun. Other people yes. have to pay less. Yes. And you know, I know we're we're in a hobby that's basically driven by greed and a desire to own things. <laughs> but there's also an altruistic element. You know, um, and so if you spot, oops, sorry, I'm like coughing and burping. Hey, I'm like Hillary. Um, <laughs> if, if you sponsor, then you help others and that's really yeah. fun. And yeah, also they, too, they it's like you get to set up, you get to be there for the sponsor photo. And, you know, if you want to get closer to the, the action of the Star Wars Collectors Archive podcast and party, um, all you have to do is get closer to the action. So that's, uh, that's another pitch. I think we pitch it every month. 
Um, but we're asking for the most sponsors and we're asking for the most money because it costs the most money and we're going to have the best party. So yes. that's enough of that, Steve. So before I take you to the International Collectors Event 2016, that's its official name, ICE mm-hmm. 2016, that's how I'll be referring to it. I do have two Sky Coups for you. Ah, yes. I wasn't going to, but I have two. And one of them is going to blow your mind. The other one is a normal one. <laughs> oh, boy. That now I'm really set up here. So here's the first one. This is about the figure and his many colors. Blue, lightsaber, green, black jumpsuit, dark as the night. Snap your cape of brown. <laughs> and now, Great. Steve. This is the mind blower? This is the mind blower. Do you okay. know why? Uh, I asked I you before we recorded, Steve, I asked you, I said, do you have a script to flip? And you said, no, you didn't have anything ready. Well, Steve, I am going to flip the Skyku script. No way. Are you ready for a perfect Skyku? Yes. I am a Jedi. Like my father before me. So be it, Jedi. (laughs) Wow. Look at that. I just figured that out today. That is a, that is a haiku. That That whole thing is a haiku. Count it out on your fingers, everyone at home. I am a Jedi. Like my father before me. So be it, Jedi. So that's a script. Mind blown. Mind blown, right? You you took care of it all right there. Man, that's awesome. Yep. I think I might have to send that on to, I don't know, some Star Wars podcast that would (laughs) care. Because that's really exciting. (laughs) Oh, excellent. All right. So what I have here, Steve, in front of me is the guidebook. And when I tell you how much effort they put into this, it is crazy, okay? They have to organize official hotels. They have to organize uh, all these different events. They have to give out their phone numbers. The people at the uh, D.C. area Star Wars Collectors Club really did an amazing job. And I'm just going to give a blanket thank you to all of them. And actually, this podcast is a thank you to all of them because I'm really going to be highlighting everything that, that I saw and did. So the fun thing was I got out of work at 330 And I immediately drove down to the D.C. area, down to Virginia. And I drove down in my suit, which is what I teach in. And I completely (laughs) missed the Martin Thurns Early Bird Lounge. (laughs) And I completely missed something, Steve. We interviewed Martin Thurn, didn't we? Uh, We did, yeah. That was the the, the Yoda episode, right? The Yoda episode, right? Yeah. And he said he didn't collect that much and he wasn't that into it. Was that that false? (laughs) Well, he said he collected phone cards, and that sounded yeah, good. Yeah, that's right. But Martin Thurn has another collection, Steve. Do you know about Martin Thurn's other Star Wars collection? No. He has the world's most complete collection of Star Wars pornography. What? Moving on. <laughs> I didn't get to see this, but I just found out about this. Wow. Isn't that exciting? That That is... And weird? Wow. <laughs> It's, it, 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 it makes getting thurned totally different. Oh, no. <laughs> and then I also missed the next event, which was the Fox Fanfare Kickoff by Matt Fox, uh, also oh, in Ashburn, nice. Virginia. So I missed that, and that was a bummer. Yeah. What I ended up doing was going directly to the hotel, which was the super fancy hotel right next to Dulles Airport. 
And I made the mistake. And the cool thing is, Steve, is I have pictures of most of it. So when you're looking at the at the YouTube version or when you're looking at the enhanced version of it, you can kind of follow along. Yeah. And you'll see a picture of uh, Yehuda in front of a bottle of real French absinthe. <laughs> so absinthe, if you don't know, is a famous drink popularized by artists like Vincent van Gogh. And uh, Toulouse-Lautrec <laughs> and other people in 19th century France. Yeah. And, and so this is a this is the the tone setter is, is yes. absinthe. Oh, yes. Wow. Okay. Well, because absinthe is said to make you go crazy and like hallucinate, and so I figured, why not? Now the thing is, absinthe is traditionally served the way like Pernod is or pastis or any kind of more traditional French uh, liquor that's based on anise. Yeah. But I just thought it'd be fun if we took shots. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll see Yehuda right before we take a shot. And I was like one shot done. It was like – and it was, it was terrible because that was my introduction to the party. I'm, I'm wearing yeah. a full suit, completely cocked off my butt, just like, oh, whoa, what's going on? And I went down and they were, that was the night of the room sale. Right. Yeah. And so it was really cool because the room sale was in this outdoor lobby and I just walked around. Uh, I didn't buy a lot. I was actually pretty excited by the things that I bought because Duncan had a, um, Duncan had a, uh, like little booth where he was selling stuff. Oh, cool! And I just bought stuff that I didn't know what it was. So I'm going to show the picture, and later we're going to have Duncan <laughs> That's the best on kind of buying. <laughs> and say, "What did I buy, Duncan?" Um, <laughs> one has got Empire Strikes Back. Uh, one of my favorite artists is Orai. He's a Japanese artist. Yeah, you're right. Um, you did the, the poster art, right? Yeah, I did a poster art. It's like this little small version of the poster. Wait, does it? what does it have on the back, Sky? I might know what it is. I don't know. It's got like um, 3PO and R2 on it. Which which poster is it? Which It's the movie? cool one with the um, super diagonal uh, uh, Millennium Falcon and the best depiction of Lando you've ever seen. Like yes, he's backlit. So the, uh, the Empire Strikes Back poster? Yes. Yeah. Um, does it have a bunch of writing in Japanese on the back? Yes. I think it's a Chirashi. Wait, it's I got like, the Chirashi. That's what I wanted. I've always wanted the Chirashi, but I didn't know hey, what a Chirashi was. Yeah, those things are awesome. So what, what is it? So it's, it's basically like a little like handbill that you would get at the theater in, in Japan. It's like a mini version of the poster. It's like a one, it's like a one sheet program, if that makes any sense. It's got like all the cast and credits on the back and it's just like a miniature version of the theatrical poster. They, they are awesome. Yeah. And it's, I've always wanted this Chirashi of this image of that particular one of that particular one, but I didn't know yeah. what Chirashi was. So <laughs> I just saw the image and I like the price. I'm like, well, I'm just going to buy this and hope it's a yeah. Chirashi. Oh man. No, that's, that's awesome. And they, they're like totally affordable too, which is great. Yes. I mean, this was only $700. Was that a good price? Oh, wait, what? <laughs> Duncan. Uh, no, but this is, I mean, really, you should take a look at it because it's, it's some of my, it's, I don't know, it may be my favorite art. I mean, it's hard yeah. because, because it's rare, it makes it more fun for me. Mm -hmm. I like it more, but it's just got all these great images. He does a really yeah. good job with the uh, Luke X-Wing's uh, engine being overtaken by weeds yeah, yeah. and no, just the way he does Lando. It's just Lando is so heroic and, and yeah. mysterious. That's um, great image. Sky here. I've since come to realize that there is no Japanese writing on it. And whatever it is, it's not a Chirashi. But I don't know what it is. So maybe Duncan will come on next month and correct poor old trademark stupidity Sky. Then I also got a, uh, in honor of the vintage pod, it's like a little notebook 
mm-hmm. and it says "May the Force be with you" with an image of the uh, escape pod. Oh, cool! And it says on the corner, "This incredible behind-the-scenes story of the most no, the incredible behind-the-scenes story of the most extraordinary motion picture of all time." But it's just a blank notebook. <laughs> so, <laughs> what? That makes no sense. So I guess you could just write the most amazing yeah, story. Gonna, it's, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And then uh, finally, two little cards that I don't know what they were or where they were from, but they're uh, uh, Chewbacca fixing C-3PO. And on uh-huh. one of them, it says on the back, alas, poor 3PO. <laughs> and so that's, I believe, the only vintage reference to Shakespeare and that scene that are direct. Yeah. Um, so I right. bought all of these in a state of f- fairly high inebriation, but I think I did pretty <laughs> on a, well. On, on your absinthe kick? You, you yeah, on my absinthe kick. I got all that for like under 50 bucks, I think. So hey, yeah. that's all pretty good and uh, yeah, and, and pretty sweet. So that was, the, that was the sort of first night and that was really fun because um, the way these things work – and this happens with, with celebrations as well. And I also sort of want this to be a talk about sort of like how these things go. Mm-hmm. You know, because even though I know uh, I've been collecting and meeting people for 11 years, it still ends up that you sort of end up having a, like a crew, like, yeah. like a group yeah. of people who you hang out with. It's, it's true. And so uh, it just happens to be that for the last couple things that I've gone to, I've often – well, actually, it's different though because sometimes some people – I'm in some people's crew and sometimes I'm in other people's crew. So it's funny. Like, I, like Tommy – I felt like Tommy was in my crew or I was in Tommy's crew and then, then I wasn't and this and that. And like, he kind of yeah. moves around. Right. Um, but in general, it's been f- friends of the show, Ron Salvatore, Matias, Yehuda and I, yeah. um, I yeah. think it's, you know, um, just sort of ended up that way. Part of it is that of course, Steve would never, ever hang out with me at any of these things because I'm not <laughs> part of Steve's super cool crew. With Bob Steffi, uh, Brock, and Derek Ho, uh, Uncle Gundy. So they've always been a crew and they've always been together. And you can't – like I've tried so many times. I've lobbied to be in the crew. I've sent applications. Oh, oh, man. And no one lets me in. They don't let me in. So 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 I'm going to hang out with a new crew. It's going to be Yehuda, (laughs) Matias, Ron, and we're going to dance around like David Bowie. Okay, that's going to be later. Yeah. So so that was kind of cool because it was sort of getting set up. But the neat thing about the – the sort of crew thing is, you know, you end up driving in the same car or whatever. Right. But right. then you get to yeah. these big parties and you just kind of spread out and you talk to other people and then you kind of get back together. Um, the nice thing about it is it ends up being a thing of where you can actually form a real friendship because I have real conversations with the people who I hang out with, you know, who you room with. And then it's also a party where you meet other people and just yeah. kind of hang out. So it's a, it's a really nice mixture of superficial partying and sincere friendship building. Yeah. That's a good um, way to put it. Yeah. So that's – I guess that would be my suggestion to you if you're going to one of these things is try to you know, have a crew. You know, Like definitely don't stay alone. Like don't sleep alone in your room. Get some roommates and hang out with the roommates and then kind of meet up and – yeah. So I, I remember when I started going to these kinds of things, I would think that the crews were cliques, like people trying to exclude me. But it's – it's really not. It's just no, like people, no. you know, friends hanging out and then they're totally open. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's great. So that was the first night, which is not very exciting. Um, well, actually, you know what? I got a Chirashi, which is great. I got an item that I've wanted for a long time and I didn't even know it. I just know that I <laughs> like the art. Uh, uh, yeah, that's, uh, 
That's funny. So then that was the Friday, okay? Uh, and then Saturday, they do these things called Kessel Runs. Mm-hmm. Um, this was started by the Seattle crew. And right, what this yeah. is, is a giant tour of many different collections. Like quick, rapid fire, like tour stops. Right. And you yeah. end up just driving a lot and going, and then you just see great collections. You see great stuff you'd never seen before. You meet people. You have some really sometimes funny and wild experiences. This is where a lot of the funny jokes come up. This is yes. where if you've heard the one in South Carolina when Matthias couldn't get the gas and we all ran out and that guy like <laughs> we couldn't buy gas on Labor Day and we – anyways, all these crazy things happen. So I'm going to take you on a Kessel run. All right. Cool. The first place we're going to go is to Hector and Sam Hilario's Tatooine Sweatshop in Broadlands, Virginia. Now, a couple of fun things about this. First of all, Yehuda is the worst person to give you – okay, he's the worst person to drive. Never let him drive you anywhere. <laughs> um, if you've ever seen the movie – if you've ever seen the TV show Mr. Magoo, that's how he drives. So nothing bad ever happens to him. But if you're paying attention, you see all these near misses and it drives you crazy. So the worst thing is... It doesn't leave a path of destruction in this in this scene. Just, just, <laughs> yeah. just near misses. Just near misses. <laughs> yeah. So the worst thing you can do is have you who to drive. The second worst thing you can do is have you who to navigate. <laughs> because he'll turn on the Siri or he'll turn on the Waze. And then he always talks over the Waze. And then he doesn't pay attention to what it's saying. And he always talks really loud. So you find yourself straining. You're straining to hear that little tiny voice. In 500 feet, turn left while he's going, while he's just going on. So it ended up that we parked like a mile and a half away from this place. It was in a a weird (laughs) development. And all these other people drove by. James Gallo drove by. All these other collectors drove by like, what are you doing walking? But that was one of my favorite moments of the whole trip because it was just the four of us and we were just walking and it was a nice day. As I said, we're out for a frisky morning munching and, uh, and we ended up going there and it was this really charming collection. I'd, I've never met Hector. I've never heard of Hector. Yeah, neither have I. So this is yeah, – So he's, he's one of these, these DC guys. Mm-hmm. And so his collection was interesting. Uh, he had a great display of, store to- of Star Tots, which you don't uh-huh. really need to dis- discuss. His daughter – has a C-3PO and R2-D2 room, which I unfortunately didn't take a picture of, but it's great because it's just, it's a mixture of everything. It's not really vintage. Yeah. But I've never seen R2-D2 and C-3PO displayed together. And it's great. Like the, the, the the color, the blue and the white playing off with the gold. gold. And she had lots of fun stuff that I hadn't even seen before. The one thing that I'd never seen before was a Return of the Jedi clip along have you ever seen these, Steve? Wait, what is a clip-along? Okay, we're going to need to talk to Duncan. Duncan, yeah. help us out with the clip-along. I, I know you're still listening to the show. The, there's an R2-D2 clip-along, which it says it fits right into your pocket. But I don't know what it is. <laughs> so um, that was from his daughter's collection. Okay. Um, they served these crazy, like, alcoholic mushroom chocolate drink. <laughs> Wait, Mushroom? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you mean like marshmallow? marshmallow. I'm, I'm guessing, I'm guessing you. you meant yeah. marshmallow. Marshmallow okay. drink. And that, that would be yes. Mm. And that was really good. <laughs> and then the next thing I see, you know, he has a lot of great stuff in his collection, but then he has this whole area of Darth Vader related bootlegs 
and fan-made items oh, awesome. from South America. Only South America? That, that's like yes. The, We're talking uh, Peru, I think Bolivia, like all these countries where we just haven't seen things before. So I'm going yeah. to show you pictures. But right now, we're going to hear me interview. And it's funny because I don't think he knows what the show is. So I was just talking to him with a microphone in his face. But it was too <laughs> cool to pass up. Yeah, um, yeah. So in the event that you are a, a faithful listener, Hector, I, I apologize for, uh, for assuming that you're not. Um, and uh, here is my interview about a lot of very strange and beautiful Darth Vader items from South America. Have you seen the... Uh... Okay, so I'm, I am here in... Was it Ashburn? No, Washboard? Broad, Broadboard. Broadlands, uh, Virginia. Uh, and I'm, I'm here with my host. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce your name fully, so why don't you say it for the, the audience? Hector? I know, but your last name, too. Uh, Hilario. Okay, Hector Hilario. I didn't know if the H was pronounced or not. And he's got a really great collection, but in particular, he has Darth Vader items from all over Central America. So I'm going to take pictures of them. Uh, so we're going to, well, we'll skip past the Mr. Potato Head and Gonzo, because we know that. But in the center, we have Vader with his hands on his hips. So uh, what, what is this one right here? I picked this up in uh, Bolivia. Uh, it's basically just uh, a statue of uh, Darth Vader. Not even, oh, it's a bank. So it's actually a coin bank, and was it like in a in a shop or was it in a market? Um, this was in a um, uh, flea market. In a flea market, about how much did that cost uh, in American dollars? I believe it's around ten, fifteen dollars tops. Yeah, it's awesome. It's great because he's got these weird bug silver eyes that make him look kind of like a bug. Okay, and then next to it we have something from Peru, and you have a nice write up here. I'll put a picture of that on the podcast as well. But it's what, what exactly is this Peruvian Darth Vader head? Um, it's supposed to be um, imitation of what the uh, Peruvian uh, people um, used to do hundreds of years ago. Uh, there's an artist that does this. Uh, the, they, they had the entire uh, Star Wars, uh, the main characters, on sale. Then we go up a shelf, and we have a large, a little bit more intricate bust where you actually see a, a gold belt buckle and lots of different images. Uh, kind of a small head. Uh, what's uh, what's this one up here on the right? That one we picked up in uh, Yucatan in Mexico. I was told that um, they grinded uh, some of the uh, fish bones and uh, mixed them in with uh, the uh, clay they used to, uh, to make the uh, figure. And then as you can see, the uh, paint up is not the greatest. doesn't look anything like uh, what that reader has, but uh, they did a pretty good job with it. So Duncan Jenkins is here. We'll have to check to see if that is the only fish bone created Star Wars item. I think it really might be. And then we'll end our tour in the center here with Vader with his hands on his belt. Uh, where does this one come from? That one comes from Brazil. Uh, I actually picked this up at a uh, local uh, shopping center. It was a small store that was selling computers and they had this behind their uh, computer. So I asked them uh, after going back and forth, the guy sold it to me for about $25, I think. Wow, this is great. A bunch of items I've never seen from countries that I've not seen represented for the most part in Star Wars collecting. So thank you, Hector, for inviting us into your house and for appearing on the show. Thank you. All right, Steve, were you able to hear that? Yeah, no, that was awesome. Man, this is like, that fishbone one is just blowing my mind. It's wild, right? It's <laughs> crazy. So, so for those of you who can't understand the magic of computers, I just take the microphone I'm recording the show with and stick it up to my computer and I just played the entire interview for him. <laughs> yeah. And then I would 
actually uh, send him through Skype the images that I was describing. It worked out pretty well, Steve, right? Did you yeah, feel like no, you were perfect. listening to the show? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, it was just really funny because a lot of the stuff was like Sideshow or Hasbro or Lego, all that stuff. Yeah, right. And then all of a sudden I'm like, what's this Peruvian? What? Bolivia? So Yeah, yeah that's yeah. great. An actual fishbone item. <laughs> that's, um, that, I, I swear that has to be the only fishbone. <laughs> yes. That is so bizarre. Um, and then after that, we, uh, I, Matias had never been to Taco Bell. <laughs> okay. That, that in itself, oh, I wish I could have experienced that. <laughs> well, it's really funny because. Given, given his, uh, his, you know, uh, liking of posting very fancy food pictures, I, I want to, I really wanted an Instagram for Matias of Taco Bell. I'm, I'm disappointed now. <laughs> yes. That's one of the secrets of the Kivecast that Matias doesn't want you to know. He has an Instagram that's only about eating good food and he doesn't <laughs> yeah. want you to follow him if you're a Star Wars fan. Um, so he, he's never been there before. And let's see, Yehuda only eats kosher and Ron, the Ron wouldn't eat a Taco Bell if it was the last food on earth. <laughs> no. So it, it was a pretty funny trip. Uh, uh, Matias was not convinced by the Mexican pizza that he ordered. Um, but it's funny because we did the same thing in North Carolina where he'd never been to Arby's. And in, in both cases, I just walk up to the front counter. I'm like, He's from Sweden. He's never eaten a Taco Bell before. And What's I'm, your recommendation? Yeah, I make like a big deal out of it because it is a big deal, you know? It is. I mean, I, absolutely. If, oh, that if is, you don't like that Taco is too Bell, good. Steve, you just don't like freedom. <laughs> um, then the, the next stop, uh, the next couple stops are actually a little bit shrouded in mystery. Oh. Um, the next one was uh, on um, – was in Annandale, Virginia. And that's Jeff, uh, I don't know if it's Kahan or Kahan's uh, Obowan's hut. And uh, it was just kind of crowded in there. And it was, it, was, uh, it was near a street that was very amusing to us. It was called Backlick, <laughs> <laughs> which um, we were driving around with the windows down, uh, blasting the song. Uh, it's a song about the, the, the benefits of, um, of women. Um, enjoying something uh, mm -hmm. that can happen between a man and a woman that's particularly yeah. good for the woman and not as enjoyable necessarily for the man um, so we were singing this song which you know I'll sing a little bit of it you know my neck my back my and my if you know the song I'm talking about uh, you'll know why it was funny we were on Backlick Road uh -huh. do you know that song Steve? <laughs> yes uh, you do? I mean I've, I've heard it yeah you have anyway um, so that was pretty fun because, uh, we like, we're blasting that song out the window and, uh, we went there and the, the one thing I did was I took a picture of a collection of, um, just a, uh, uh, R2D2 and C3PO poster and it was his childhood R2D2 and C3PO poster. Uh -huh. And what I liked about it is last month we were talking about how I don't know where to put the dashes in the droid's name. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So he did R-2 uh. period D-2 <laughs> and C-3 period P-O. I like the extra punctuation in there. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was very cool. So that was the – or maybe it's a comma. I can't tell what it is. But the point is, it's very much R two D two. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of a, a neat image. Oh yes, and I and I, I took a picture, um, which I'm going to send to you, Steve. 
of all of us in front of uh, Backlick Road. I am making a, a slightly uh, vulgar, vulgar gesture there. Mm. Then the next one, Steve, was one that would probably have been your favorite thing. Oh, yeah? This was Michael Novak's Dawn of Star Wars Museum of Early and Fine Collectibles. Ooh, I like the sound of that. Now, it had the distinction of being one of the most amusing entrances to a collection. There oh, was yeah? a sign on the front yard that said, this is a private pri uh, residence. Aha. Uh -huh. Do so not bring your phone past this sign. Uh -huh. It will be confiscated. Uh -huh. There was like all these warnings. Uh -huh. And it was just really funny because we thought we were like in the wrong place. We didn't know if we'd walked yeah. into some kind of weird like black ops building or something. Um, <laughs> but it turns out that he had just got this set up for this party. Like uh -huh. he'd set it up the, okay. the morning of. And I couldn't take any pictures and I couldn't say anything that was there, Steve. I mean mm. all I can tell you is it's, an, it's a really impressive collection of materials related to like 1977. You know, so oh, man. That anything sounds... basically before 79, he seemed to have there. Ah, uh, that's killer. And he had uh, a lot of stuff about the Oscars and a lot of cool, like, production stills and images and things like that. And I can't really describe yeah. it all because I don't remember it all. He had a lot of really rare versions of the Star Wars book. Like, he had it in Arabic. Oh, you like the, the original uh, novel? Yeah, well, yeah, uh. I think it was the original novel. Okay. And he had it the in Iran. Along with another version of it that had a fake cover. Whoa. The fake cover to cover up Star Wars because it was post-revolution. Uh -huh. It was after 79. So it was like okay. a bootleg undercover uh, Star Wars book. Yeah. Um, that's just yeah. the, the, the kind of cool stuff um, yeah. that he had there. Uh, um, so those are two great. places that weren't that really well represented. Uh, but then we got to go to the Guinness Booker World Records holder for the largest Darth Vader collection. Oh, so that was that day. Okay. Yes, that was that day. That was the, the trip to, to Bill McBride's. Okay. And that was nice because uh, by that point I had sort of decided uh, I, I wouldn't be drinking. So I was I was a lot more sober. I was <laughs> Did kinda... you take over uh, the driving duties Yeah, from that's, the, that's the thing is, you know, uh, um, for whatever reason, the crew that I roll with, we tend to roll pretty hard. So... Um, you slid over from the co-pilot seat to the <laughs> to the pilot chair. I did. And there was okay. this really funny thing where, because in general, you know, I know I can come across as kind of arrogant and full of myself, um, <laughs> and uh, I think that that's true for the rest of us, maybe with the exception of Yehuda. Um, <laughs> you see, now I can piss <laughs> off my friends too. <laughs> But we realized on that Saturday that all four of us were wearing black T-shirts. Oh, all four yeah. of us were wearing blue jeans. Mm -hmm. So we took this picture. In we went to this like awesome Korean bakery. Um, it was just in the middle of Virginia, and we took a picture in the window, and we looked just like a boy band. Yeah, I've <laughs> seen that one. That <laughs> like, is uh... like Ron is off to the side, like he's the cool one who doesn't want to be a part of it. Yep. He's looking grumpy, like he's trying to be like the gangster one. Um, Matthias is like the cute one who's just <laughs> like uh, who's like super like fun. He's and the one smiley. that's going to go on to have a solo career yes. after this is over. Yeah, yeah. And I'm the guy who's just all too excited to be there. <laughs> Oh, but that was a that, that was uh, a, a really fun thing. And then we made our way over to the the collection, and you know if you're out there and you're a, a focus collector, um, I, this was just the best weekend because yeah. 
Yeah. It started at Bell McBride's and ended at Bob Martin Nazis. So two of the best focus collections out there. So the nice thing about Bill's collection is you've seen it online. You've seen pictures of it. Um, I don't actually feel that I really got to see it. Mm. Um, his room was constantly jammed with people. Yeah. So I yeah. wasn't really comfortable sitting there and taking it in. I feel like I've seen it, but I haven't really lived it. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. I know what you mean. But that's okay. Because during this whole time, I'm running around, I'm meeting people. I'm not actually there to see tours. I'm there to see, see people and see friends. Yeah. So it was really cool. There's lots of great things. We'll get to that. And one thing I also did, Steve, was part of these events is swag. That's a huge part. Yeah. So you get swag from the people at the party. You know, the hosts. Like yeah. The hosts. Like right. I think Hector, yeah, Hector gave out the, the coasters um, and uh, I've got like a cool note bad thing from the, the early Star Wars place. I got a – cool uh, pint glass from Bill McBride's, but then also people give out swag. And Steve, I've started a new tradition. Yes. <laughs> the bottle openers? Yes. Oh, man. I cannot wait to get mine. <laughs> so this is the thing. We don't do any official advertising on this show. No. But I do do unofficial advertising. <laughs> it happens to be that when you look up on the internet, like make buttons. Yeah. The number one result is a company from East Rochester. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And if you ever come to visit me, I will take you to a really good bakery in East Rochester. It's a really co cool, funky town. If you're into old blues musicians, Sun Ra used to work right near there. Um, hmm. Not Sun Ra. Jesus, not Sun Ra. Wait, what? Sun House. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah that's, that's not at all the same person. Um, no. <laughs> some some music nerds are laughing really hard right now. The rest of you are being like, I don't know who those people are. Um, but it happens to be in East Rochester. So it's really cool because I can order buttons and just go pick them up. So I just make buttons all the time. And they know me as the – I do it for my department. I do it for that. So one of the things they offer is a thing that looks like a button but is actually a bottle opener. Yes. And so I just thought, awesome. I'm going to do Kivecast bottle openers. But the thing about swag, Steve, is there's so much of it. There is a lot. You just get kind of tired of it. You do. I mean, you like it, but you get a little tired of it. And so I thought, how can I make it more fun? And I realized the way to make it more fun is to make it so that not everybody gets one. Ah, uh, yeah. So, so what I did was I made 30 of two different designs. One from the Silver Striker, the famous <laughs> B-Wing pilot uh, image that we discussed probably two years ago. Probably two years so ago, the, yeah. Do you want to describe the Silver Striker quickly, Steve? I can do a, a quick recap. So it was that that knockoff, uh, like multi-purpose remote-controlled like tank toy that had a bunch of different '80s action figures on it, and one of them happened to be a B-wing pilot with uh, what's the, I always forget his name from Star Trek. Uh, the no. guy that had Clawful. Uh, well, yeah, no, no, I'm oh, talking about the. Oh, yeah, Jordy. Yeah, so he has the little bar across his face, the B-wing pilot. But then you have Clawful from Masters of the Universe, and then a, a snowtrooper that's like kind of decked out with gold plating and stuff. But it's like the B-wing pilot is like gun, like the gunner on this crazy, over-the-top tank that 
I guess was produced in China, but this one I got was sold in Italy. It's very strange, but it's one of my favorite things in my collection for sure. And and the reason that that was actually I was just going to make that, and I was going to make it as like a tribute to you, and like you know, oh, aren't, aren't we all missing Steve? Let's all have some B wing swag. But then I had another idea, <laughs> which was to make one that represented me. Yeah. So yeah. I got an image of Chewbacca from Uzai. Right, right. And I called it the Uzai bottle opener. I called <laughs> the one for Steve the Brahi bottle opener. And I made 30 of each. Mind you, there are 100 collectors at this event. And I made 30 yeah. of each. Yeah. I then made a two-sided coin with each of the images on either side. Mm-hmm. And I flipped it. And if you got the Steve, you got the Steve. If you got the Sky, you got the Sky. Right. And I'm so serious about this, Steve, that I'm not getting one of each. And you're not getting <laughs> Neither one Neither am of I, each. right? Right. <laughs> I just figure it'll be really fun. So for every event that we go to, every event, okay, the archive party, uh, the next ice, whatever it is, I'm making 60 of these things and doing 30. And I'm just – I just think it's really fun that it will be actually really difficult to put together a full run of Kivecast bottle openers. Oh, man. That's, that's a great idea. But they're meant to be used. They're meant, they're meant, to, they're meant to have fun. They're, they're practical, yeah. The great thing is, Steve, so one of them is the B-Wing pilot. The other is Chewbacca. Right. I could tell instantly who listened to the show and who didn't. Do you know how? Oh, yeah? How's that? Everybody who listened to the show wanted the B-Wing pilot. <laughs> Everybody else wanted the Chewbacca. Yeah. <laughs> that is both a great insult to what you collect and a great yes. compliment to you it, as a character a, on the show. <laughs> very, very much so. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the real hidden agenda of, of this podcast is to just make the B-Wing pilot seem cooler. So yes. there we go. No, oh. Steve, they like didn't like it because of the show. They liked it because they like you, you big dummy. <laughs> I don't know why they don't like me, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> that's why, Steve. Anyway, but while we were there, I didn't really know what to talk about with Bill because what do you do when you're in front of every single Darth Vader collection that's ever been made? So that's I definitely just, a tough, uh, tall order. So I ended up just focusing on Vader cases. One, a bootleg one made out of wood that Bill is going to describe in loving detail. So here is the small little slice of Darth Vader Sith Toy Museum. All right, all right, now I I am in I am in Bill McBride's uh, Sith Toy Museum and uh, I'm in a room with all these great Darth Vader things and all these amazing one-of-a-kind prototypes. But this is one of the weirdest, strangest things we've ever seen. It is a wood Darth Vader collector case. And I mean, it's made out of solid wood that was hollowed out by Sun Craftsman with metal hinges. What's the story behind this piece? Um, it, was, it was actually a piece that I found on eBay. And when I looked at it, it was obviously an homage to the Darth Vader collector's case. And so it's just, I think the craftsmanship and the amount of work that went into this to make this, um, I, I think it really made it an exceptional piece. Um, it's so it's not only an homage to the Vader case, but it's a functional piece as well. So that's that's really what makes it exceptional for me. And and do you know was anyone else bidding on it? Uh, yes, 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 yes. Um, as a matter of fact, a good friend of mine named Ron. Who? Um, uh, yeah, Ron's right here. Ron's looking at to say that 
that guy's a jerk. So, the, so yeah, he um, he's actually he's kind of a nice guy. Um, but we we tend to uh, there's a couple key people we cross swords on eBay and um, this happening one of those pieces I end up with. So uh, yeah. Now was it filled with figures? Do we know? Did you make little wooden figures or what was it? I believe um, ideally it was made for action figures. It's excellent. It's a really great piece, and it goes along with the rest of the of the uh, action pieces. So, out of all those things, all the things here, the thousands of items, or I guess the I forget the number. What's the number? We suck counting at uh, sixty-three thousand two hundred and ten. Out of the sixty-three thousand two hundred and ten items, this is the one we choose to talk about this month. All right. I think this. Awesome. I mean, like, so did did it come from the United States? Like, uh, yeah, I, yeah, it came from okay. the United States, and just okay. someone's like, I'm not gonna pay ten dollars <laughs> for that. I'm gonna spend seventy five work hours and make it myself. Exactly. Yeah. Huh. That's that's killer. But it's really cool because I think the more that things become valuable, the more that you know known quantities become valuable, and yeah, yeah, all these unknown things just become so much more charming and so much more interesting. Absolutely. So that was that party. Um, it was funny because Bill McBride actually made a, made a sign for his own collection <laughs> yeah. um, with him and Darth Vader. And uh, Yehuda stole the sign, and that's just funny because he's famous for stealing signs. And, <laughs> and we, we really let him have it for stealing a sign from someone who like put him up in his house. It, it was, oh, it was really Yehuda. <laughs> if, if, you ever get to, if you've never met Yehuda and you get to meet him, just say, why did you take Bill McBride's sign? Because uh, yeah, I'm always taking a beating today. You know what I'm doing this. You know what I'm doing this weekend, Steve. <laughs> What's that? I'm, I'm I'm giving him a beating, but I'm I'm going down to New York City to go to his kid's bar and bat mitzvah. Oh yeah, yeah. that's oh that'll be fun. Yeah, that will be fun. But anyways, I I may uh, I may tease him, but uh, when it, when it counts, I'm yeah. there. Um, yes. An interesting piece of swag was from another company that we don't actually advertise but we support which is uh, the toy chamber mm -hmm. um todd chamberlain's uh, toy store which always has the, the best stuff at celebration the coolest yeah. weird stuff and uh i don't know i showed it to you steve it's a micro wampa and he's saying wampa wampa <laughs> um he never talked to you about that did he no <laughs> I suspect that he doesn't listen to the show and he doesn't know that that's our catchphrase. No, uh, I think it's. It, I'm gonna err on the side of he's he's given homage to your your brilliant opening. <laughs> well, no, because it's not like I invented the idea of saying I, I wampa know, wampa. Collectors were saying wampa wampa before I said wampa wampa. Yeah, you know because yeah. of that commercial that we played last month, <laughs> and we didn't trademark it. Stupid, stupid. <laughs> Trademarking a registered property. Yes. <laughs> I get animation rights to Mr. Banana Grabber. That's um, <laughs> but anyways, so I would like to call that the first bootleg Kivecast item. <laughs> um, uh, I like anyway, it. Yeah. I, I looked at it and I was like, I don't know what to think of this. I just – I don't know. Um, so that that was really fun. The, the There's a whole scandal about the hotel. Because really? If you haven't, uh, you will be able to tell from this episode. Uh, Ross Cuddy is quickly becoming the goblin of the Kivecast. Um, <laughs> by that I mean he's like mischievous and he likes messing with stuff. Like that's kind of his. He has a really dry wit. Yes. Um, 
And apparently he doesn't know if I hate him or not, um, which is good. There's a surprisingly large number of people who I consider friends who don't know if I hate them or not in this hobby um, and, and vice versa. You'll, you'll hear him being quite a scamp many times on the episode. Um, but one thing that he did was there was reports that the, the hotel, the official hotel, because for every one of these events, they have official hotels so we can all get together and be close by. He posted a picture of a whole bunch of bed bugs from some other hotel, and he was like, I don't think we should stay there. Now, this hotel had a bad reputation, but the picture was so disgusting. It was like a completely infested, and everybody en masse group-thinked out of their reservation. And they just scattered to the four winds, like an hour apart from each other, you know? And I, uh, I, I made a joke and uh, put a picture of the woman from The Shining, you know, talking about Room 237, that kind of thing. <laughs> and, yeah. And ultimately, we just discovered that that picture wasn't even from that, that Red Roof Inn. Oh, boy. <laughs> it definitely was not a good hotel, but he was just kind of being a, go- a goblin. So <laughs> there, there, there you go. I don't know if goblin's a good word. I'm thinking I, of the the thing on the plane in uh, the in the Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, I know what you're talking There's about. A yeah, thing I, on the wing. Um, so uh, that's one of my I, high school teachers would refer to people or things that would behave such ways as. Gremlins, like Gremlins, that's me. That's like, yeah, what I meant. that's uh, that's not what you meant. Go- okay, <laughs> goblin. <laughs> that that's that might be pushing it too far. Gremlin, gremlin. I think is what you're looking for. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so um, as we'll hear, Ross Cuddy ends up being the the the, the official gremlin. Gremlin of, of ice. Uh, of ice and of the stars. I think he's my gremlin, and I think I'm his gremlin. It's good. <laughs> I think I had to stick with Goblin. That's I know. Funny. I think once you went, you went too far with it. I think it's just <laughs> that's just where it is. <laughs> um. So. Uh, so that was that. So we ended up staying in a hotel that wasn't. We weren't kind of all together, so there was no room sales. Um. But that was fine. And then the next morning, uh, one important thing to do when you go on uh, celebration or stuff like that is remember to carve out time to call your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> or your wife or your kids. So I carved out a little bit of time in the morning and, and made some calls because otherwise it's just like you just party so hardy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So the next thing was really cool. It was a showing of the Plastic Galaxy movie in a movie theater. I saw the, the marquee looked awesome. That was, that was an old theater? Yeah, it was an old theater in Culpeper, Virginia, which uh, is maybe the nicest place that we visited. So that was cool because there was a, like an art show of different Star Wars themed artwork. Uh, Bill at, McBri- at, at the theater? Or? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, cool. and Bill McBride had a little display of different Darth Vader items from his collection. Awesome. And then you got to watch the movie. And I, I was really happy because um, as everybody on the Kivecast knows, uh, uh, Django, my son, is the cover model. Right. Now, yeah. of course, Brian Stillman didn't know how to spell his last name. <laughs> so it's Django P A Y N E instead of Django P A I N E, but that that's fine. Um, and that that was really fun to get to see my son's name on a sixty foot screen and all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. Because nothing, Steve, is more exciting than the silver screen. No. Hey, Steve. <laughs> why do yes. they, Why do they call it the silver screen? Well, that would probably have to do with the the fact that silver nitrate was a, a big component 
of uh, old school film. Now, what is silver nitrate? Uh, it's what they used to make the original film stock back back when you know movies became a thing, and it, it you know went out of went out of style in the, the what the forties. Um, but it is uh, basically like our country's or the world's like earliest film heritage is is on that stuff. Now, how would you acquire such information yourself? Uh, well, I I am an archivist and I work at a film archive, but. Um, that's, I guess that's, <laughs> I went to school for that, but that, that's, that's it, I guess. So that's both your work and your passion, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you were to go to a star, like if you were to miss a Star Wars event. Yeah. Where the best man of your wedding, I, you know what, you had a lot of best men, but I'm calling it in Brock's name. Brock was your best man. Um, <laughs> your other friends are cool, but Brock is the coolest. Um, except for that, that one guy. That guy was fun. That dude who is like gonna marry into your family. Oh yeah, we just had his bachelor party this weekend, and uh, that, everyone everyone survived. <laughs> that that is unlikely. Um, <laughs> but so, if there were to be a party, a Star Wars party, where all of your friends were to get together, mm-hmm. including the person who officiated your wedding and your best man, is it possible that there would be an event not related to Star Wars that would make you want to go more? Oh man, I, you guys went to like my mecca. Um, it was oh, we got to go to the Library of Congress's National Audiovisual Conservation Center. Yep. So this is very similar to like the place where Steve works. How is it different, Steve? Well, I mean, that that place is is the mecca in the sense that it's it's you know the entire country's heritage it's not just you know film and you know movies like the the movie industry it it is it's everything um it's it's seriously like one of the coolest places you could ever get to go to (laughs) yeah (laughs) it it was it was really funny i got to go to steve's disneyland yeah (laughs) because the the funny thing was at the same time as that was being planned the same time as that was a 35 millimeter showing of Star Wars. Yeah, I was going to ask you about this. You called me like late at night the night before this, and you're like, all right, I have a question for you. (laughs) If you had to choose between two things, what would it be? And it was, yeah, the 35 millimeter screening or going to the, 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 you know, the Library of Congress's underground bunker at Culpeper. And this is the funny thing because... Both of these things are Steve's favorite things in the world (laughs) because he loves old film. He loves Star Wars. So one of those events would be one of Steve's favorite things ever. And then the other thing would have been one of Steve's favorite things. Yeah. But Steve voted in favor of the Library of Congress. I did. I did. Um, Mainly because, I mean, it's – I don't know. There's just – there's so much weight to it. Like when I mean you, I, I'm glad you sent me as many pictures as you did because so it just it honestly like made me so happy to see you guys there. I'm like I, there's no other group of people outside of you know other film archives nerds that that I would you know rather be there with. Well, and, that, uh, that's the other part that was funny was I was sending pictures to Steve like every minute and a half. I actually had to explain to the uh, woman who was running the uh, running the running the tour. But when she was giving the tour, I was taking all these pictures and I was texting the whole time. 
because I was yeah. sending you pictures. Yeah. And everyone, you know, Chris Jorgulius came over and was like, man, why are you torturing him? I'm like, I swear he wants me to. So I was reporting back to you. I was trying to be your eyes and ears because I didn't really know what any of it is. But basically <laughs> what the Library of Congress is, if you don't know, the Library of Congress is where America stores every single piece of media that it can that has been made in America. Mm-hmm. So there's the Library of Congress for Books, which has every single book ever printed in America right. and yep. magazines, every single magazine ever made. So mm-hmm. this was the Audiovisual Library of Congress. It was built in a bunker that was designed to house the president in the event of a nuclear war. It was dug out of the <laughs> side of a mountain. It has this beautiful look. It is absolutely one of the most bonkers places I've ever been. You walk in, the first thing you see is a film canister with the, uh, with the assassination of JFK from, 19, from 1963, the, the news report. Yeah. And, then, and yeah. then right next to that was the copyright uh, master. So whenever you uh, need to get something copywritten, you send it to the Library of Congress. Mm-hmm. And so this is the actual copyright for the movie Star Wars, the archival yeah, master yeah. on the inside. And I'm not going to go the rest of it because it's all for film nerds like Steve. <laughs> but I'll just say that we got to see some amazing items. Yeah, no, I, I am so glad you guys got to experience that because not many people get to, at least in that way. Um, so it's, ah, oh, and, and we got one to day. Tours. I have to say, Steve, the tour that you gave was cooler. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, you're just being nice. No, I'm serious. Uh. It, it, it was cooler. Um, you're not quite as cute as the girl who, who did this one. Um, uh. I, th- I think if I were, you know, if I were attracted to men, you're cuter than her. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> and one of the cool things that they they showed us was the original nitrate um, copy of Dracula. Yeah, that is just uh. and 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 nitrate blows up, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it's highly. Uh, flammable. I mean, uh, the good deal of what was produced was either you know gone in fires, or they would you know back then being the the greedy industry that it, it you know was and, and still is to a big extent. But they would actually like melt it down to to recoup the silver. So so much of it is gone. So the fact that you know what is there is where it is. I mean, it, it's it's insane. Like. Yeah, yeah, and they had weird stuff like news, oh yeah, like newscasts, mm-hmm. and the woman who was running the sh- running the show for us was like cataloging the entire Danny K TV show, <laughs> yeah, and just all the work that has to be done to and and they did say eventually they're going to get to podcasts. Yeah. So uh, so let's hope that we eventually make it into the Library of Congress. <laughs> I'm gonna say like so they have the, the National Film Registry, which is like it's like they're like graduating class of things that should be preserved for all time every year. Right. If they ever do a, a national podcast registry, come on, we have to we have to push. <laughs> Absolutely. This is important stuff. Yeah. Oh man. So that uh, that was really fun. And it was mainly fun, I have to admit, just because it was nice to imagine that you were there. It was like nice to be your eyes and ears and to yeah, to yeah. try to share some of the excitement that you would have been feeling. Yeah. Um, no, I, I and, appreciated it a lot. Yeah, and, and it, it was neat to get to see all the different things they do, you know? Like, they were just constantly converting tapes to digital and all these things. Right, yeah, and all these you know, yeah that's, that's, that's the thing. It's like, I mean, where I, where I am, it's pretty much all just moving image stuff. Um, right. But there, it's, there's all the audio is just yeah. insane. 
Yeah. So that that was really special. And it turns out that the copy of Star Wars was severely red-shifted, mm-hmm. which means yep. that everything looks red. And the one yeah. that we got to go to, at the end, they showed us their copy of the holiday special. Yeah. Uh, and a couple trailers. And uh, Yeah, I got a funny funny side note on that. I asked Tessa about this, and um, she, she knew one of the people who works there, and his very first preservation project by his choice was the star wars holiday special he's like this has to be preserved <laughs> i think they told that story did they did they say that yeah i think that, they did yeah that's i just thought that was really really uh, amusing and then that night uh it was so that that's sunday night right so uh, i mean we, we've been going through on sunday and then sunday night was the into the garbage shoot party with jonathan McElwain. oh and my god that was really exciting it was really yeah. exciting for many ways. First of all, uh, the 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 crew that we were running with, the I think we called ourselves the the black and blue crew because of our black t-shirts and blue jeans. That's a pretty lame name. <laughs> um, but we were running late because we had to drive all over the place because we were trying not to drive in different cars. So we ended up arriving to his house late. We missed most of the food. We missed the group photo, which stinks because the group photo is uh, always a lot of, a lot yeah, of yeah. fun. And we kind of got there. And when we'd started, there's already another day of room sales. Huh. But these were actually in the back of people's trunks. <laughs> I thought I saw a picture of this. It, this is like the ultimate – like black market vibe that you can get. And yes. I, it's something that I'm sure every collector has to have experienced at some point. Like mine was selling my, my modern shuttle to some guy in a, in a Reseda parking lot out of my dad's <laughs> delivery truck. I mean, it was like the shadiest <laughs> thing I've ever done, but everyone that collects star Wars has to like experience this in one way or another. <laughs> and so, uh, that, that was fun because I was feeling bad. You know, I hadn't seen my kids. It was their, it was – anyways, it was their time with their trip with their mom, you know, because we sort of have different vacation times or whatever. Yeah, right. So I wasn't going to see them anyway, but I missed them and I thought, you know, my kids are really – they're really growing up and they're not going to like Lego forever. And I'm going to be going out and doing stupid Star Wars crap for like the rest of my life, therefore <laughs> the rest of their life. So I better start like – fostering something that makes it cool when I go away to these things. <laughs> so I thought they love Ewoks, you know. I mean my son already has the the Duzium, the Dubak collection. Yep. My daughter has the collection right, of right. female Star Wars characters. And I actually just mm-hmm. got in the mail, Steve, from official picks. It's a, a signed Carrie Fisher picture. And nice. It's it's to Zola to my daughter. Anyways, I'm very excited about that. Ah. But I realized, you know, that, that Ewoks are the thing that they love together. And I'm trying to encourage a love, something they can love together, not separately. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I got right. the great storyboard of Chewbacca. Uh, uh, on going, Endor, right? Yeah, yeah, on Endor going across. And then um, uh, Darren of Star Zone Toys out in uh, London, he actually bought a whole bunch of storyboards from Kit West – who is the guy who did all of the practical effects on Return of the Jedi. Oh, wow. And he did all the practical effects on uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Awesome. So he died last year, and I guess Darren must have somehow got something from the estate or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was able to get two more storyboards, and I got them both Ewoks for the kids. And so I'm like, all right. Oh. 
Here we go. We're hey. starting to get going here. One of them is the yeah. is the glider breaking apart, and the other uh-huh. is the lasso. So all this leads up to the fact that first of all, I'm starting a, a Ewok focus for my kids. Which <laughs> speak of speaking of which, I, I I said that on Facebook, and somebody uh, actually messaged me to say that they wanted to to send me an Ewok figure. Uh, to thank me for the show, I'm not going to say oh, nice. I'm, I'm not going to call them out on the show because that that's rude. But I want to say I haven't responded to you yet, and this is proof that I don't respond well even when it's in my own best interest. <laughs> it's not just when you're trying to get something from me; you're offering me something for free, and I'm like, oh yeah, I need to get back to that. So I really need to get back to that person pretty soon. Yes, yes, you do. <laughs> and I really need to thank them because that's really nice and not necessary, but appreciated. All of that is a way to say that I was like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy them some beater Ewoks in the back of, of these trunks. And lo and yeah. behold, friend of the show, frequent contributor, CJ Fawcett, brought a bunch of stuff left over from the big pick. Oh, cool. And he gave me a great deal on a low gray and a Tebow. And uh, I brought them home for the kids, and they loved it. They got all excited. We found a little space on the wall, and I hung them up on the wall next to their modern wicket. And they're really excited to start their own Ewok collection. So now I'm psyched. You know, when I go to Celebration 6, I'll just uh, – Celebration 6, <laughs> my time machine. <laughs> when I go to Celebration uh, uh, Florida whatever, I'll just get them another vintage Ewok, and, and hey, that'll be yeah. a good gift. They're, yeah, they're well on the way now. Yeah, that's great. So that was really fun. And then, holy calamity, scream insanity. All you're ever going to be is another whacked fan of me. John McElwain, Jonathan McElwain's collection was bliss. Yeah. Okay. So this is the thing. I'm a focus collector, which means when my collection grows up to be a man, I want it to look like Bill McBride's collection. I want it to look like <laughs> Bob Martinazzi. Okay, those are the kinds of collections I want to have. But sometimes I get to go to collections of people who don't collect the way I do, and just—I can't tell you, Steve. It was like he calls it the garbage shoot. Right. I love that for my first thing like that. That's, that's it's a great per- name. Yeah, it because is. Because so many other names can be pretentious using words like museum and center and temple and all that stuff. But just <laughs> the garbage chute. And all of like so many of these things were things I had never seen before. As you will hear in the interviews, things that people like Will Grief have never seen before. People who really know their stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I just started recording in there and I just would see one thing and I'd go, oh, wait, what's that? And I'd see another thing and say, oh, wait, what's that? And I would just get so excited. So this is, uh, this is one of my favorite parts of, of this month's show is just walking around and seeing what I see. You know, I would sort of go out and get a cookie and grab a burger. And uh, again, this is another another trip, another uh, party where I wasn't really drinking. So <laughs> it's actually it's actually a lot more fun to not be drinking at these things um, <laughs> up until a certain point. Right. <laughs> and then sometimes it is fun. Like uh, after – yes, I'll tell you the story about after that. That was quite fun. So uh, I will tell you the stories of Jonathan McElwain's garbage shoot. And Steve, why don't we start with a discussion of – 
really weird Wonder Bread. I like the sound of that. So we are now here in Jonathan McElwain's collection, and uh, I'm here with Bob Steffi, and we're looking at this display of Wonder Bread, vintage Wonder Bread items, and we're also here with Will Grief and his wonderful wife, and we're trying to figure out, there's a shelf talker for Wonder Bread, which we've all seen before, it says, you know, there's free trading cards for Wonder Bread, but then there's another one. And instead of saying Wonder Bread, it says Bronze Town Talk. And I'll show you the picture on the enhanced version. And, and Will, do you know what Bronze Town Talk means? Bronze Town Talk is like when you're talking and then they put a lot of metal around you. It's called Bronze Metal. And, uh... Okay, so Will does not know. It's B-R-A-U-N. And Bob doesn't know. So actually, currently, to give you an idea of what it is, it's, it's, it's very hot. Jonathan said earlier it was a Pittsburgh company, that had, and that was just a, their brand. Oh, so it's a local brand to Pittsburgh. So, Bob, you do know the answer. I know that much of it, but I don't know what else there is or if there are other similar regional versions of this Wonder Bread thing. So it must be that Wonder Bread owned the rights to Star Wars. Maybe they licensed it out, or maybe they owned Bronze Town Talk or Bread. Maybe Wonder Bread was, you know, what we called it in these parts of the country, and maybe other places use the same thing. But what kind of name for bread is Town Talk? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all. It's Pennsylvania. There's no such thing. Yeah, it's Pennsylvania. <laughs> Forget it, Jake. It's Pennsylvania. Now, the fun thing is, to give you an idea, this is a room filled with all kinds of food items and unloved items and things I've never seen before. And, and right now Todd Chamberlain is talking to Jonathan about Dixie cup containers. And apparently there are Dixie cup containers that Todd has never seen, which is kind of like talking to Carl Sagan about some kind of supernova he's never seen. I mean, this is the world expert on Dixie cups has been flummoxed. And I can't even break into this conversation. You know, Steve, you might think I was drinking based on that uh, simile. <laughs> a supernova that Carl Sagan has never seen before? <laughs> Carl Sagan is all about wonder and exploring the unknown. Carl Sagan didn't think that he had seen everything. That is the worst <laughs> simile. Good <laughs> Lord. <laughs> I mean, of the billions and billions of possible metaphors and similes I could have chosen... That was really poor. Anyway, I'm also a little bit bitter because, uh, as you may know, Steve, I started playing fantasy football, and uh, I, I was winning. <laughs> yeah. But then the, the team that was playing against me was uh, had a whole bunch of Pittsburgh Steelers, so they just they just crushed. So I lost mm. this week because of well, the, that's that's unfortunate. Yeah, the city that made town talk bread, which I still say is a really ridiculous, uh, really ridiculous thing. Now another thing that was in John McElwain's collection was an amazing case of dairy products. Ooh, I spoke correctly. What do I mean? Let's go back in time and hear me talk about it. And you, know, and you know, I've got to be honest, this is an example of the best way to display collections that go from vintage to modern, because I'm going to show here a picture of, it's basically a dairy case, and so you see all kinds of Dairy Lee vintage cheese containers with Empire Strikes Back and Ewoks, and then modern Vashkiri, the laughing cow containers from France with stuff from episode one. And mixed in are advertisements for Dairy Lee, uh, pre-processed cheese spread. Uh, and there's also boxes 
a box for an Ewok VHS, so Ewoks TV show VHS, that was given free by the Dairy Lee Cheese Company. I think you get the idea. The ability to mix together cheese containers and yes. VHS from like the entire history of, of Star Wars. Like that's that's yeah, that's yeah. wow. That's awesome. So that that's really exciting. And then a really fun thing happened, which is Will Grief, who actually, you know, he might he might be the gremlin of the show. Uh, he he, he's <laughs> he a, might he's he a might. provocateur as well. Uh, I, I'll say that he he's maybe the American Goblin, and Ross is the Canadian Goblin. <laughs> um, as far as like giving us help, remember that interview we did, and and he did the lightning round on us, and he asked us what's our favorite kind of green onion. Uh, yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I'm calling it Will. You're a Goblin. <laughs> not not a gremlin, a, a goblin. Damn, I did it again. <laughs> All right, goblins well, are cooler than gremlins because gremlins get mixed up with that movie. You know what I mean? That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. So he found something that he had never seen before, and I. Okay, this is a uh, this is a a a give a, this is a competition an advertisement for a competition for an item that i've never seen before that's how obscure right. we're getting here wow. so let's go that's talk multiple, about some mexican levels. potato chips we're back here with will grief who's walking away and he wants to show me something that he finds really impressive here in you know, uh, actually Jonathan McElwain calls his collection the trash compactor I don't know why because it's one of the nicest collections I've ever seen but it's a very impressive collection filled with all kinds of weird stuff and he's now going to show me oh my goodness one second so what, what is this this is the most beautiful piece of trash I've ever seen it's a Sabritas potato chip display from Mexico. And from what year do you think this is? 83. So let's say Return of the Jedi, El Regreso del Jedi, not Returno, like it is in Spain. So Regreso, the, the Mexican spelling. And it's Sabritos Potato Chips. Sabritos inventan a ver la guerra de las galaxias. El Regreso del Jedi. Punto com. Wow. Yeah, it's a radio. It's advertising a, a radio contest offer to get tickets to the movie. So, really, Wait, so never it, seen it before. Never even seen packaging for this Sabritas. Uh, so there, there theoretically, there must be potato chips like this that we've never seen, and this is the advertising for those potato chips. Yeah, theoretically, yes. All right, this is beautiful. I'm gonna take a picture of it, and then we're gonna see it on the show. So this is the kind of thing, Steve. That <laughs> this is what gets people excited. I this is seriously one of the neatest things I've ever seen. I this is Steve, you know, I just want to say our show is awesome. <laughs> the reason that our show is awesome is because once a month I get together. This is beyond nerding out. But you're right, Steve. This yes. is one of the coolest things we've ever seen. It's a radio, I, it's, it's a commercial for a radio competition to win tickets to Return See, of the Jedi. Just, and in, it's sponsored by Potato Chips. Yes. Right? Yeah. Oh, that is just... Oh. And the Sabritas logo is this beautiful image of like a, a smiling face. Right. And yeah. I should mention that it has the Return of the Jedi style A poster, the standard image with mm -hmm. Leia in the bikini in the front and yep. uh, Luke. Uh, what is Jedi. That, um, that, white, that white label on the bottom? What's that all about? Uh, I, so I it, need to look it, at the close of that. It says... Uh, 
Espera nuestros concursos, which means wait for our competitions, right? Ah, okay. Uh, wait All for right. our uh, contests. Um, coming from the 16th of December uh, for by XEX AM Radio Festival. Oh, man. Oh, that is killer. Yep. So it's – and what's great too is the mystery. I, I don't know if there really are Sabritas potato chips with Return of Jedi <laughs> on it. They really might not be. This might just be Sabritas – Sponsoring the radio station to give away tickets. Yeah, it's it, it it's a, be a bizarre confluence of uh, of things, which which is what I love about vintage stuff. Like this is that's awesome. It is just as weird and as wacky and as wonderful as, as you can get. Uh, extra points to me for calling it the trash compactor collection <laughs> when it's actually the garbage chute. Uh, get into the garbage chute, flyboy. Um, anyway. It's, uh, she calls him Flyboy, doesn't she? Uh, yes. It'd be funny if it was like turned around and it was like a <laughs> – she was like, get into the garbage chute, Fly Girl, and it turned into living color. <laughs> <laughs> SW1. Okay. Uh, that's a deep cut. You probably don't even know what, what living color is. Okay. So – Like the, the TV show? Yeah. All right. Good enough. All right. So the, yeah. the next thing is I actually circled back on the Dixie Cups. Because ah. I love the idea that Todd Chamberlain, the official bootlegger of the Star Wars Collector's Archive <laughs> podcast, um, that he would have found Dixie Cups. Because this is the thing. If you're out there and you're thinking, gee, I'd like to buy some Dixie Cups that have Star Wars on them, you are going to be buying them from Todd Chamberlain. He is That's absolutely man. correct. <laughs> so this is the moment of discovery. This is the point where you realize – this is the point where you thought that you were done with the movie and then you press pause and you see there's like an hour and 20 minutes left. That's what happens here to Todd Chamberlain and his effort to collect all the Dixie Cups. Else? So No, that's perfect. So I'm, I'm here now with Todd Chamberlain who just got finished his whole about half an hour conversation with Jonathan all about the Dixie Cups. And like I was saying before, he is the world expert on Dixie Cups, but you saw things you have not seen, Todd. What, what is it that you're looking at that you've never seen before? I've been buying Dixie Cups for 30 years and I just today discovered that there are, in addition to the regular three ounce cups, there are also five ounce cups and nine ounce cups size variations of they're not they, the the cups don't have star wars on them but they include the star the, the offer for the star wars story cards and i had no idea that they even were made until today so if we look at them so we'll get a little closer here what we'll see is they have nice little pictures of flowers and the very 1970s colors and different herbs like basil mustard thyme and dill and for some reason it just says empire strikes back story cards and were these story cards they were inside of the Dixie Cups they're inside the package and what you would do is you could uh, you had to mail in to get a poster that then you would split the, the cards up and you would complete like as well as like complete an image sort of posters and so you had to get the complete set of the story cards in order to tell the story and then have, have the, the complete poster and so that would be the story of Empire Strikes Back and right 
now I'm looking at a whole like strips of cards right here in front of it. Is this what was inside the Dixie Cups? That's what was inside the Dixie Cups. And then in addition, th these were also the boxes from which you could order a set of uh, laminated paper placemats or a ringer style t-shirt with a really cool uh, illustrated uh, a, a montage of characters from Empire Strikes Back that where the artwork is unique to that particular the only thing that that artwork is on is that t-shirt. I've never seen this. It's got a very cool blue looking Darth Vader, a nice Boba Fett, a nice Cloud City. Looks like it's taken straight from Macquarie. I've never even seen that shirt for sale. Are those hard to find? They are, yeah. They, I would say of the promotional shirt offers that is one of the more difficult ones to find. So you get these, these, these stickers, these cards inside and they're four images all connected and then you'd have to send away for a large poster and then fill the story to put them in the right order when you're all done. That's pretty awesome. Now, how does it make you feel to see Dixie Cups that you don't own? Well, it's uh, it's one of those blessing and curse kind of things. Like, okay, here's something I was ready to take. I, I thought I was pretty well done with Dixie Cups. I can move on and focus on other things. It's like, okay, well... But on the other hand, as time goes by, it gets harder and harder to find things that you need. And so to be able to say, well... Maybe this is something that's more feasible, and I just haven't been looking uh, hard enough. So, Yeah, I, I think it's a beautiful story. That For those of us out there, it is a, it's a beautiful story. It is a beautiful, it's a beautiful story. Because we're out here, there's like 30 years of looking for Dixie Cups, and you can't even find all just the Dixie Cups. So all of you focus collectors who think you're ever going to end with anything, you're never going to get anywhere. And if you're a completionist, well, you know, God bless you, because there's, there's no hope. You can't even get all the Dixie Cups. <laughs> anyway. So thank you, Todd. All right, thank you. Steve, I, I do feel like I captured something cool there. Yeah, that that, that just to to stay or to hear Todd's kind of excitement. It's right. just yeah, that, that is wow. So so that was super fun. I sort of thought, okay, I must be done here, but then I'm totally not done because every time you turned a corner in here, so oh snap. I should have totally put the unloved thing before oh, this yeah. whole thing. Well, I'll just put it in here now and just know that yeah. the entire trip to the garbage chute is an entire world of unloved items. You don't hate, only the unloved hate. The unloved and the unnatural. The unloved and the unnatural. This is where yeah. I get happy because sometimes I worry whenever we do episodes like this where we do lots of things at once that we might run out of stuff eventually. We are never going to run out of unloved items. No. We just need to contact Jonathan. <laughs> That's right. And so now we're going to listen to some talk about postal stuff. Like what? We're going to talk about like stamps and we're going to talk about the stamp collector set. We want to talk about first day of issue stamps. There's going to be some weird stuff here, Steve. Are you ready? I'm ready. 
So I'm finally here with Jonathan in his amazing trash compactor room, and he told me there was something that I was going to love particularly. And I can tell you, you know, I spent about 10 minutes talking about your your uh, multi, I don't know, dairy display back there, but you're going to show me something now. So he's going to open up the case here, which apparently he made the doors himself. I did make the doors with my dad. Uh, Ikea has a tendency to discontinue things, so of course they discontinue the doors that I really like so but anyways we got them okay so, so what I'm okay what am I looking at here so H E Harris made a, a, a postage stamp collecting kit there's a couple versions of that one with a black and white back and one with a color back so a stamp collecting kit like to collect Star Wars stamps right. or so it had an album in it and I think they used to call them leafs or something but they were things to apply stamps so they were kind of stamps uh, but also they had foreign stamps from around the world but to supplement that Al Album, they then came out with these packs, and there were six of these packs, and they had uh, additional Star Wars uh, stamps, as well as stamps from around the world. But I like this one because it shows our friendly neighborhood uh, sand person, uh, but it lists him as the sand citizen, and I thought Sky would like that. Yes, I am obviously going to go on this for half an hour. That's right. So, so it's this beautiful... First of all, the thing itself is interesting because it has Star Wars in a different font than you usually see it. And it must have just been kind of a scam to sell random foreign stamps yeah. with these Star Wars stamps that you obviously couldn't use to mail anything. Completely worthless stamps, I'm sure. Yes. And it says sand citizen. And, of course, you know what it means if someone is a citizen, right? I don't know. Well, I mean, we're in D.C. It means they, they live in a democracy. Sure. Absolutely. So, you know, when, when the French people overthrew the king, they went from being subjects to being citizens. That's why the French national anthem says to arm citizens. Sure. So that implies that Tuscan Raiders live in some kind of representative democracy. And then Anakin wiped them out. Yes, he did. All of them. Wow. That... Very sad day for the citizens. Now, I wonder, is it that hard to find the actual stamp that says Sand Citizen? It might be. I don't know. I, these packs, are supplemental packs, are fairly hard to find. I, uh, well, that's, that's beautiful. Thank you for showing that to me. That is, I mean, there's so many unloved items in here that are just being so loved. So, Star, Star Wars stamps. And now Jonathan is going to introduce an entirely different postal themed Star Wars collectible. You know, it doesn't get a whole lot more unloved than first day covers. Um, you know, it's yeah. a dying. I don't even understand what these first day covers are. So we might, we're here. We might as well keep going. Sure. So there's there's kind of like a postal area here, and so we see what is a first day of issue. I have one for Pete Rose, but I don't even know what it is. What is a first day of issue uh, collectible? So this would have been the first day that this stamp was actually issued by the U.S. Post Office, and. And so, as to commemorate that, lots of different entities would produce these envelopes, and they would stamp it and say, well, this was the first day that that stamp was legally allowed to be used. And so what you're thinking is, Star Wars stamps weren't made until 2005 or whatever it was, but these are actually stamps in honor of 50 years of talking pictures. So it says 1927 to 1977, and so these companies, would make images 
that featured any anything. And of course, it being 1977, they put pictures like here's one of is that Leia and Chewbacca? Yes, it is. I, I believe. Is that Leia or Luke? I can't believe I can't. Tell. I think that's Leia. In which case, that may be one of the few images that features just those two characters together. But this was a place called the Hollywood Bookstore, as I understand it, and they did a uh, they, a companion series. So there were four of these. There were science fiction themed, with sort of a, a circular image with different images from older science fiction films, and then a color image in the center from Star Wars. There was another series uh, related to that that were monster movie related, uh, and they're all you know numbered. Uh, they're sort of a, a very unloved thing. I brought them to many room sales, and no one ever looks at them. Wow. Even Ron. <laughs> well, Ron's looked at them, but then he just says, eh. Well, I can tell you, you know, this is the kind of thing, you know, if you don't tell people what it is, I mean, right here, you're moving this Yo Play yogurt thing that I'd never heard of until last month. We talked about this on the show. And this is the Yo Play sticker. So it's a place to put your Yo Play stickers, right? Is that what it was? Yes, you would get a poster and it would have a bunch of white images where you needed to complete your collection in order to finish the image out. And so you got a, a number of rectangular stickers. You would peel them off and place them on the poster. This one I found, uh, it takes 50 stickers to complete the poster, and it's very well done. Lando here has a little white around him, but uh, otherwise the image looks very good. And you did not complete this yourself? I did not. But did you get, the, get it framed? I did get it framed. It is probably my favorite thing. It, it, it is unbelievable. The imagery is beautiful. Again, we were talking about this with, uh, with Todd with the T-shirt, the, the Ringer T-shirt with the unique image. There's so many great unique images from the Empire era, and it seems like you have them all here. Well, there's, a, there's very much a dividing line in Star Wars promotions, and it generally is the special editions where they stop using unique art to promote things, and they start using photo art. And what it does is make things very repetitious. They all just seem the same. And this French artist has no idea how to do Chewbacca, but the emotion that he puts into C-3PO looking down at R2-D2 here is just gorgeous. Like, he's he's looking over his shoulder, looking down at him kind of approvingly, and yeah, this is great. Well, I'm not going to take up the whole party here, but i got to come back. we just got to do another episode just just in the trash compactor. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, John. Thank you, Scott. I really uh, stuck with calling it the trash compactor. <laughs> you did. Oh, I have to say, like, and I know I just said that that last thing was like one of the coolest things I've ever seen, but whoa, <laughs> this, this. Well, first the stamps, like it's, it's like what you said. If you don't know what it is, it, it, it just now that you know, it just becomes this totally different thing. Um, it's like yeah, knowledge, that's, that's it's like knowledge so cool. is three quarters of the battle. So it's it's funny because it's like if you don't know what it is, it doesn't seem that cool from a distance. And I think it was a scam where not a scam, but just kind of these companies would make these envelopes with images that were loosely related to the stamp. So the stamp said fifty years of talking mm -hmm. cinema, so they're like, Oh, we better make four right. Star Wars envelopes. 
<laughs> and it, it just kind of reminds me of the doubloons that that uh, the Mardi Gras doubloons, you know, just oh, yeah. Yeah, loosely yeah. related uh, images. Right, right. Yeah. And then yeah, the the, the Yoplait artwork. I had never seen any of that before. Um that's there's like that one uh, and the one with the funky Chewbacca. It almost looks like um Rick Moranis's character from Spaceballs is is fighting oh, yeah. as Darth Vader right beneath. <laughs> Okay, so I, I keep trying to put away the recorder, but there's too many good things here. So right now we're looking at all these different Coca-Cola and Fanta bottle caps. And apparently Jonathan says there's something here that I will love. So right now he's looking at some kind of, what is this? This is a, uh, a advertisement for the bottle caps. It's a paper item with three holes at the top, and it would have gone over top of bottles and sort of folded down the side. Oh, so put it on this on the top of the six pack i assume it would have been in the six pack in the store sort of telling you hey you should buy these bottles of coca-cola which is perfect because the giveaway from the star wars collector's archive podcast has been a bottle opener so this is perfect so that's what this little paper item would be and it says take one play star wars so what what was it that you could win if you played this you could buy uh you could win uh value 15 cents 25 cents 50 cents or a dollar so the uh, pair, you and you made them in pairs. So the most valuable pair was Luke and Leia. And Leia is the difficult one to find. So if you paired Luke and Leia, you'd get a dollar. If you paired, uh, let's see, looks like Obi-Wan and Vader, you got 50 cents. If you paired Han and Chewie, you'd get 25. And R2-D2 and C-3PO, a measly 15 cents. And the contest closes, I hate to say, August 11th, 1978. Yes, very sadly. It's, it's long since closed. But what I thought you would like, Scott, is number 10 here. There's a lot of rules to this contest. And number 10 is a skill testing question. It asks you to multiply 779 times 21, add 4,674 to it, divide that number by 57, and then subtract 171. You had to do that math question and send in your bottle caps in order to get your money? It was not enough to find Leia. You had to do this complicated math problem. That doesn't seem legal. Apparently it's legal in Canada, or it was. Oh, right, because this is Canadian. It is Canadian. Because I didn't even know about this whole thing. I have to, you know, my trademark is stupidity. I didn't even know about this whole thing. So you had to do all of these math equations. I mean, maths. Do Canadians say maths with an S like the British do? I don't know. We should check with Ralph or Ellie. Are there any Canadians in the room? Canadians? No, no Canadians? Okay. Okay, so I'm now outside of Jonathan McElwain's house. And even though Jonathan McElwain's name is so Scottish, it hurts. He is not Canadian. Now, the question that we had is, in Canada, do they say math, like we say in America, or maths, like they say in England? And I'm now here with the bona fide Saskatoonian, Saskatchewanian, uh, uh, Ross Cuddy, Bam Shabam. Do you say math or maths? Arithmetic. Oh! All right, I'm going to go find a better Canadian because this is just not acceptable. I need another Canadian. Where's the good Canadian? Where's the good Canadian? I'm walking through here. People are smoking cigars. Matthias is drunk. You're missing out on this whole experience. There's an experience, but I need to talk to a real Canadian. 
<coughs> Where's Ellie? Ellie? Is that Ellie? I can't see. It's in the dark. I'm sorry. I need to talk to a real Canadian. I'm recording right now. So we were just discussing whether or not in Canada you say math like you say in America or maths like you say in England. What do you say? Oh, we say math. Yeah, like America, the good one. Certainly Western Canada, it's all math. Okay, because I asked Ross, and he said arithmetic, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that Ross. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try again with Ross Bam Shabam Cuddy, who's going to explain the skill test question that was with the money that you got back from the... Uh, bottle caps. So, what's the skill test deal? Oh Alright, so in Canada, anytime there's something that you can redeem for something free or get for free or anything like that, of that nature, you have to answer a skill testing question, which is usually something like 16 divided by 8 plus 2 minus 1. It's really usually stupid simple. Is this to make sure that you're smart enough to get free money, or what's the idea? No, the, the reason why is because otherwise it would be considered a lottery, and lotteries are regulated in in all sorts of ways and regulations, but by by the federal and provincial governments. So in order to have these giveaways without it being considered a lottery, you, it, there has to be some element of skill involved. Uh, it, and so, you know, they obviously choose the skill, a skill testing question, so that you actually have to perform an act rather than just send in proof of purchases or bottle caps or whatever it might be. So there you go, all you right-wing American nuts who think that Canadians give away things for free. They don't. They may get free health care, but if they're going to get 15 cents for matching two bottle caps, they have to do some arithmetic questions. Or as they call it in Canada, math. Every excuse again, I will come over. That was some sweet fucking podcasting right there. Did you hear that little bit added at the end? Ah. <laughs> I think I might keep that bit at the end. I, I was just going to say, I hope you do. <laughs> <laughs> I was really psyched about that. I can uh, tell. <laughs> hey, Steve, what time do you got over there? What time is it in uh, L.A.? It is 9.01. Yeah, you know what time that is in, Amer- in uh, East Coast? 12.01. Do you know what just happened? Uh, what's that? I just it's turned your 39! Birthday. You did, that's right. Happy birthday. Thank you, it is officially <laughs> my birthday. I am recording the show It was funny because while that was going, I'm like, oh, my God, I was going to do a countdown on the show because I thought that'd be kind of funny to do a countdown on a recorded (laughs) podcast. Right, right. But I couldn't cut off the goblin. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was doing this whole thing there. He's explaining the whole show. And like what a great thing for him to like block me. At, at the start, and then I had to he go got, find... He you on your... He gobbled me, and then he came back and gave me the crucial information in a great way. It's yeah. awesome. Uh, wow. So, so anyways, yeah, it's officially my 39th birthday. Uh, it's actually pretty cool because I'm the same age as Star Wars, so you, you always... You know, when it's Star Wars 40th, it'll be my 40th. Yeah. And uh, I've always had this weird superstition, Steve. Uh-oh. When I was younger... And they would say how old someone was, like they were born in 1920 and died in 1980. Mm-hmm. I thought that meant that they were exactly that old. 
Like if they said they died at <laughs> 78 years old, I thought it meant they died at exactly 78. Um, like on their birthday? On their started? birthday. Oh, man. So my whole life, I've been – when I was younger, I was positive I would die on my birthday. And now as an adult, I think it's kind of a possibility. <laughs> so like I don't fly on my birthday. I drive more carefully. So, so Steve, if if I do die today on my birthday, okay – just promise me that you will get my computer and you will edit together this podcast, okay? <laughs> okay. Because that part where I, I brought together that whole thing with the bottle caps and the maths, that's my contribution to society. That, that, that's it. That is your, your legacy. That was some sweet f***ing podcasting right there. Did you hear that little bit added at the end? Uh, that is, uh... is my legacy, is calling a nice guy a goblin and insulting my friend Yehuda. And anyway... Uh, talking about Dixie cups and potato chips with way too much enthusiasm <laughs> while somehow bringing in the French Revolution. Uh, that's, that's what I brought to that, the world. That is, that is your legacy. That's, that's it. It is. And if I somehow make it through this day, well, then, then uh, all the yeah. better for me. The nice thing is the, uh, the 364 days the rest of the year, I'm basically invulnerable. So, <laughs> Although, Steve, I do have this plantar fasciitis that is really troubling. You know, you think that just hurts your foot, but like it's actually gone up to my leg and I wake up in screaming pain and so That's that's no good. That's no good. So that was the last report from from the uh from what I kept on Wait. calling the the, the trash compactor. Uh, good, good. I want to make sure you <laughs> we turn it around this time. <laughs> but is in fact the garbage chute. Right. Uh which is a much better name. Um, I just like the part where I go, I need the good Canadian. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Which is actually a pretty good nickname for Elling, now that I think about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good Canadian and the Goblin. Um, <laughs> a new detective series on CBC, <laughs> airing this Wednesday. <laughs> so what happened next, Steve, was we went back to the hotel and there was another room sale. But this mm. was just basically kind of hanging around. Yeah. I had a nice moment uh, speaking of Pittsburgh and people who like the Pittsburgh Steelers way too much. Uh, hung around a lot with Bill Cable, which was uh -huh. nice. Um, I had a chance to finally really thank him for the artwork that he did for the Star Wars Collector's Archive Party. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. made a droids card back of mm -hmm. Boba Mutt. Mm -hmm. And uh, he made it kind of last minute and gave it to all of us. And I didn't really thank him, so I, I thanked him there, and I, I thank him here again too. And also he made sure that we drank absinthe in a more proper way with ice and sugar, which is the way you're supposed to drink it, <laughs> not shots <laughs> like the lunatics. So you, you, you righted the ship by, by the time the weekend was over. That's good to know. Yes. Well, it's still pretty powerful stuff. Um, we were given Star Wars peanuts, so someone just – Got Virginia peanuts and put a Star Wars label on them. Hey, it's what, it's what you do. <laughs> yeah, we opened those up and we ate them. And that was pretty fun. Um, there's this video online of... So David Bowie and Mick Jagger released a music video that was terrible. He was dancing in the streets. Terribly awesome, Sky. It's awesome. Just a terrible video. And so someone had the idea on the internet, I don't know what, to take out all the sound and replace it with like their own sounds. <laughs> it makes it totally, absolutely ridiculous. So at this point, I was sort of back to drinking and we were hanging out outside and 
Yehuda and I started doing our version of that music video. Oh boy! It was just it was debauchery at at its finest. Did, uh, did anyone actually take video of that? I think there's video. I think there's photographs. There's there's lots of kind of stuff out there. It's pretty fun. <laughs> but then we went inside, and uh, I got to see something really cool. So what I got to see. And you'll hear me talk about it here, but I want to explain it clearly because I don't know if I was in some kind of absinthe haze when I was describing it. Is a R2D2 12 inch figure. And it appears to also be a, like a, a, uh, uh, like a PA sample. So, uh, product assurance sample. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's written on, presumably by some Kenner employee, uh, PA sample 62279, it looks like. So here it is. It's a QC quality control sample, mm-hmm. a kind of a pre-production item. But then it's also autographed by Kenny Baker. Whoa. Who, of course, just died last year, last month. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, several hours later, and we are now at the room sales at the Wyndham at Wingate. And uh, it's cool because Tracy Martin Hamilton brought a figure, our star of last month, and it's a 12-inch R2-D2 that's currently being held by Elling, the star of our last episode as well. And it's actually a quality control sample that is also autographed by the recently deceased Kenny Baker, R.I.P. P R two D two, pretty cool piece. Chris Jorgulius is looking at it right now and discussing whether or not it's really a QC sample. Chris, what's your final vote? I don't know that I have a final vote. I can tell you that I think R two uh, Kenny Baker has ruined this piece by uh, scrawling his name on it, and um, I think it was a poor choice of the previous owner to have this autograph. So as far as the dead, you think it's good to speak ill of them, true or false? Yeah, I, I, I just did, so I, I guess it's true. <laughs> okay, now, so it says here PA sample. What would PA stand for? Well, Isaac Liu was like, hey, is that product assurance? I thought, you know. Isaac what? Lev, Jorgatopoulos. Oh, Isaac Lev. Yeah, Isak Lev. <laughs> I was trying to, because I had product integrity in my head. I was like, well, that's PI, but I've never seen PA. I've seen um, like QC, which we all know quality control, but product assurance is also the quality department, so it's all, it's related. And that would seem kind of weird for somebody to, to put PA on it if they were trying to like fake it or something. So I think... So it says PA sample 62279. And the cool thing is, this is a run-of-the-mill carded 12-inch R2-D2 that has two writings on it. One of them could make it much more valuable, and the other should make it less valuable, but actually somehow makes it less valuable. Even though a recently deceased celebrity signed it, it makes it less valuable. It depends on who you ask. Somebody else might look at it and argue the exact opposite of what I'm saying here. But the general consensus of everybody here who's looked at this piece is the, uh, the Kenny Baker signature is not helping this <laughs> P 
piece. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see if anyone buys it. Ellen, are you thinking about trying to buy it? Yeah, there's a potential, but that autograph is a real, real tricky item. Now, we also have another R2-D2 collector here, Mike Britter. Are you considering buying it? Just a uh, pistol of Elling? Absolutely. So so you want to get it. Elling wants to get it. Now, do you like the autograph on there, or does it bother you more, Mike? It doesn't bother me that much, but definitely takes away from the price, from the material. But Now, Mike has also implied that Kenny Baker was killed. Who do you think killed him? Anthony Daniels. Yes, I think so. No, no, I'm doing a follow-up. This is a great moment because Elling is holding it and Mike is looking at it and they're both mulling over the price. They're both friends. They both have wicked awesome gray goatees. But Elling is holding it. Yes. Possession is how much of the law? At least one-tenth of the law. <laughs> Even more. And so he knows if he puts it down, Mike is going to jump on it. It's like when 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 the one crow has a, the nacho chip, right? Right. He knows, and the other crow is hopping towards him, and he wants that same nacho chip. So he's got to make sure, but but make sure that the crow doesn't try to eat a second nacho chip at the same time and lose both. Yeah, this is this is a really exciting moment. So this is like if you want to see focus collectors in action, Very the focused. tension between Ellen and I'm not making any better by drawing attention to it, but the tension between Ellen and Mike. This is really bad. This could end their friendship and their friendship with me. And my friendship with Chris. He's hopping away. Elling's hopping away. The price has been driving up. Oh my god, Mike is really upset with me. Are you upset with me, Mike? No, I'm just thinking about the first shots that I have and he doesn't. Oh, oh boy. Oh, the claws come out. The, the claws on the... Do, do crows have claws? No. Wing, wing envy over here. <laughs> One first shot or... Wait, that was two that I have and he doesn't. Oh... So that kind of makes you feel like you were there, Steve, right? Very much so. I, I gotta say, like, Chris's uh, crow and nacho chip analogy is probably the best way to, <laughs> yeah. to describe that. Well, because I get the sense that Chris has really watched a lot of crows and nacho chips. <laughs> Something about his accent, like the crows and nacho chips. But yeah, that that was that was a pretty pretty fun event. I believe uh, the good Canadian ended up with it. Oh, um, cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you were like one of those uh, those guys who does the backstage wrestler interviews, just trying to like <laughs> just trying to for mean Gene Okerlund. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you were totally mean Gene and just like trying to. <laughs> I've been called a lot of things on this show, Steve, but mean that's Gene not, Okerlund the is the coolest thing I've ever been called. That's the first. I love All right. that guy. Who does love me, awesome. Gene Okerlund? And what kind of name is Oakland anyway? I don't know. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, I and and I I do apologize for uh, for anybody still mourning the loss. It could be. Uh, I I was gonna say I don't know. If, I mean, it's a, I forgot what episode it was, but you guys you guys had some some pretty <laughs> some pretty dark things that you were talking about with Kenny Baker, but it was you know I have to say rather hilarious. R two D too soon. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But that's a joke for all the Comedy Bang Bang fans out there. That they, they that's one of the catchphrases is R two D too soon. Uh, what? It was that the the, the toy toter, I think. Yes, I think it okay. Was Listen, R two D too soon, okay? We yeah, we all respect right. Sorry, it is the it men is. behind I, the mask. I, I apologize. Uh, but yeah. it was cool because another space freak, another kind of loyal space freak, uh, I got to meet a lot was uh Hubert, who you've probably noticed if you follow the, the 
the Facebook yeah, threads yeah. and everything. And that's a good example of why these kinds of events are great because he's just a local guy. So he's he's from DC. Yeah, he's from DC. The... Like he is awesome. so from DC that his wife works on K Street, <laughs> which is a thing that they say on the West Wing. And anyway, uh, that's like a lobby deal. I don't know what it is. I uh. think she works at the Hobby Lobby. No, um, some kind of charity thing. What the point is, like Super DC works for that and everything. And there's a good chance to, you know, get to talk to him. And that sort of thing that happens where he's heard me talk for hours and he feels like he knows me. And then yeah, I get yeah. to tell him the good news that he does <laughs> because the line between the, the, the only events between how I am now and how I am in my real life is that I spend a little bit more of my real life, like, not you know, sarcastic, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a little bit more genuine in my day to day life. Um, but it's a pretty good depiction of my personality. So that was cool. And I got to discover that he was a monkeys collector. So, whoa, not like monkeys, like the animals, like monkeys, the, like the, the band, the right? band. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. that was pretty fun. Cause I'd never met a monkeys collector before. Um, and that was a fun thing to discover. Uh, so that, that was a, a good example of one of the one of the fun things that we got to do. And speaking of Space Freak, Steve, I also got to meet Marcus, who is an, another fan, and that was pretty fun. And I had the idea after – the problem was this would have worked perfectly for, for meeting Hubert and talking to him about stuff. Um, but I didn't think of it. But my new thing is, hey, if you see me and I've got my phone out or whatever and you want to be on the show, you can at least just give a, a wampa wampa. So I, I told Marcus, hey, why don't you just record a Wampa Wampa soundbite? So here's Marcus. Hey, Space Freaks. This is Marcus from DC Star Wars Collectors Club. Wampa Wampa. And that was actually at a whole different place. So that was that night that descended into anarchy with Crows and Mick Jagger and David Bowie. And the next day uh, was a trip to Tom Boone's Fabulous Star Wars Collection. That's the name of it, Steve. All right, I like I like where this is going. I think. <laughs> well, the, the name I had to explain to Matthias that in English, fabulous has a funny connotation. It could be arrogant, or it could be just kind of funny, um, and it ended up being very funny and very awesome. So uh, I want to just basically, I think what I'll just do here, Steve, is I won't do too much explanation because I do a lot of explanation on the show. So this is my trip to his collection. And it was a surprise. It was really nice. And it included a lot of interesting paperwork and displays. And you'll hear me describe all those things here. Okay, we're now on one of the Kessel Runs in uh, Tom's Fabulous Collection in the amazingly named Indian Head, Maryland. And there happens to be a store display here I've never seen before. So how would we describe this, Will? Imperial shuttle with a triangular mobile with hanging characters on the bottom. And attached to this, not you know, it's not part of it, but another videotape display, Empire Strikes Back giant video cassette. And on the other side of the Empire is Star Wars. So you see all these things together here. We have the collector here. Oh, and we're actually, this is Tom. How's it going? I actually haven't been to interrupt your uh, broadcast. No, this is good. I, I've, yeah. I've never seen this display before. Yeah, that is a uh, video store display piece. Uh, I, it was 
<laughs> Sorry, it was uh, my father got that for me. Actually, he knew uh, a video store owner, a guy named Vic Daigle, uh, up in Suitland, Maryland, and uh, he managed to get the, these pieces for me, as well as the lenticular photo over there. Um, so, yeah, the shuttle Tidarium Mobile uh, with four uh, hanging, dangling characters there: the Gamorian Guard, Jabba the Hutt, Wicket, and Salacious Crumb. That's a good foursome right there. I like those four. Yeah, and then those are the uh, like the original guys, the original uh, strings that they were attached with. Um, and then next to it, like you said, is sort of an oversized video cassette art box. Um, same sort of thing. So now, now what? Hey, do we know when the the Star Wars Empire Strikes Back uh, gigantic cassette was was released? Was that for what what release? Do we know? That was probably uh, 1982 for the release of the Empire Strikes Back. Wow. All right. Well, thanks, and thanks for like letting me into your house. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Also looking through a scrapbook that he made of different things he's cut out over the years. This is still at Tom's place. All the different things he's picked out over the years. And I hadn't actually seen all the different images that were used in newspaper advertising for Return of the Jedi. So it's all these different slogans that they used. So the famous one is on the poster. This is for the re-release. Return to a galaxy far, far away. So that was for the re-release of Return of the Jedi, I suppose, the next summer. And then there's another one with Luke and Vader fighting. It says, Return to Luke Skywalker's ultimate challenge. That's pretty good. Ultimate, you know, meaning final. Then you have a picture of Yoda, and it says, Return to the wisdom of Master Yoda. And then, probably my favorite, Wicket looking at R2-D2, Return to the wonder of the Ewok forest. I hadn't actually seen these before, and they're really nice, and they're very evocative, because they're all the different aspects of the movie that you might like. You know, the lightsaber fights, the cute things, or the wisdom of Yoda. Awesome. There's also an interesting article from 1997 about looking for Princess Leia all the way back then, saying that the toy maker underestimated Leia's appeal. And this was in the Washington Post, so, you know, a real newspaper. Probably my favorite newspaper. But it's cool because it's the monkey face Leia, the horrible worst toy ever made. And apparently people liked them so much they bought them, and then now they hate them so much they can't sell them. <laughs> All right, so I actually lied. I'm not going to let Steve listen to this. For the rest of the show, Steve's been listening along, but it's a little bit late on my birthday. And yeah, you got you to get your uh, your birthday morning nap. Yes, and my uh, my fasciitis is acting up, and so it's hard to sit down. And I got to take a whiz. So that's going to leave us with a couple things, Steve. It's going to leave us with the amazing Luke Jedi. I told you we'd get back to Luke Jedi. Yeah, yeah. This is a Luke Jedi episode. And the problem is you've been listening and you've been thinking there's new, there's no Luke Jedi in this episode. But there is. It's coming up now. It's the definitive Luke Jedi interview. And it's with Bob Martinazzi and Sean Kempel in Bob Martinazzi's basement. Now, the funny thing is the way this started um, – the, there's two brothers, the Bickmore brothers, uh, Mac and Alex. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they're very distinct personalities. Alex is usually very loud. Mac is usually pretty quiet. Uh, they both love Japan and they travel and they read Japanese. And uh, they're generally very – they liven up a room. And the way this worked is this was part of the next Kessel run. So Bob wanted to invite me over at 3.30, which was a half an hour after – it was over, like after it was supposed to be closed down. And they roll in at like 325. I'm like, ah, you know, whatever. Who cares? And they're talking. And then they start 
asking Bob questions like, how did you get into collecting Luke Jedi? And then eventually <laughs> Mac was like, what's your favorite item in your collection? And I was just sitting there calmly, just like figuring whatever. And then when he asked that, I like jump up and I'm like, enough, enough. <laughs> and, and I, I, I ended up like being kind you of, you went, rude. you went rock star on him. I did. Went I went diva, but it was yeah. cool because, uh, they stuck around. They took pictures. Most of the pictures you're going to see from that are from, the, are, are from them. Uh, they accepted my apology. It was a really hot room. Matthias and Ron both fall asleep. <laughs> and then I bring them in for their expertise. So I don't know how this is going to turn out. But I think my hunch is that it's going to be awesome. Because I basically recorded a live podcast about Luke Jedi in the Greatest Luke Jedi Collection area. So that's really exciting. So Steve, the listeners are going to hear that now. You're going to listen to that soon. And then we'll Sorry. get to feedback. Sounds good. All right, so let's listen to the Luke Jedi extravaganza. Okay, this is a a first in Kivecast history. We are trying to do a live double interview with two focus collectors of the next figure of the month. Now, we're moving into Return of the Jedi, which means we should be doing Admiral Akbar, but we happen to be here in the D.C. area with Barb Martin... Barb... Barbara Martinazzi. Bob Bob Martinazzi. Do you have any relatives named Barbara? No, I do not. Okay, with Barbara Bob Martinazzi. That's his full name. And Shauna Sean Campbell. How's it going? How's it going, guys? How's it going, Sean? Going out excellent. All right, so this is exciting because, to me, Luke Jedi is the ultimate Jedi figure. Um, I believe Bob told me that I voted him, or Steve and I voted it the best figure. Is that true? Did we do that? That's correct. When, when did we say that it was the best figure? I don't remember. Oh, that was a few podcasts ago. Yeah, it might have been during the first year, I think, of the podcast. So I'm sitting in this collection, which is, uh, you've named an Italian name, and so I'm not going to say it, because every time I say it, I just say Jedi Nazis. So uh, how, how, how do you pronounce your, your collection? Well, the full name is uh, La Academia dei Je- Jedi Nazi de Luca. All right, Jedi Nazi de Luca. But you got to move your hand when you say it. Yeah, exactly. Jedi Nazi de Luca. And so we're, we're sitting here. There's lots of people here. Um, I'm not going to list them all, although eventually they are going to pipe in and they're going to add little thoughts here and there. But I suppose the easiest question is, and the question we'd like to start with always, is what was it that brought you to Luke Jedi? Now, because this is not Sean's home turf, I'm going to let him go at the top of the inning. So, Sean, what was it about Luke Jedi that brought you to the character? And also, it is hot in this room. If you can hear sweat, I am going to be sweating through this interview. Uh, for me, it was uh, uh, I was a Jedi kid, so that was kind of more my Star Wars movie. I was the younger generation growing up. And uh, Luke Jedi was just one of the few figures that lasted out of two from my childhood collection. And so that just seemed like a logical figure to, to focus on. Okay, so when you say that, so you were, what, born in 77, something like that? I was born in 78. Yeah, I'm the same way. I was born in 77. To me, that's the, the ultimate movie. Ron Salvatore is passing out on the couch during this interview. This is, <laughs> this is not a very helpful audience here. I know it's boring hearing about people's childhood, Ron, but we just got to get through it, okay? And then we'll get to the toys. All right. Uh, now, uh, now uh, Bob, what was it that brought you to... Now, actually, it's interesting enough. Uh, Mac Bickmore is in here, and he, was, uh, he and his brother Alex were looking at the collection, and they were asking Bob all these questions. I was just about to ask. So I jumped up and I was, I was a big jerk and I hope you accept my apology. Do you accept my apology? 
Yes, I accept. Okay, so he accepts my apology, but the question he asked was, gee, Bob, how did you start collecting Luke Jedi? And I jumped up and said, no, that's enough. We're going to have him explain it. So why don't you explain this to us, Bob? Okay, so uh, back, back in 1997, I had just finished my loose run of vintage figures, and I knew I didn't want to buy carded vintage figures, even though now, in hindsight, I should have bought two of each. Uh, but back then we were attending the special edition, and they gave me the Luke Jedi theater edition, and I thought, that's an easy focus. There's how many possibly vintage carded Luke Jedis could there be out there. So that's what started it. And that is like a really fun figure. I think a lot of people remember getting that figure. Do people here besides me remember getting it? The Luke I, yeah, the Luke yeah, Theater. Sure, that was like a cool grading piece. Yeah, it was like it was like a really cool piece. Um, what about that? There's a proof up for sale now. With all, it's just too expensive for you. Is that why you're not going to get it? Nowhere to put it. Yeah, that's true. It is quite large. It's there's a proof of I think 16 of them. Is that right? Right. And you're not going to get it either, Sean. No, I'm going to pass on it too. But... Could, could it be because your your wife also agrees that it, there's no place to put it? I I, I don't know. I, I think so. Yes. Yeah. Yes. She, she's here as well. So. <laughs> Okay, so it started with that. Then you said, how many possible vintage variations could there be of a Luke Jedi? And, and Ron is absolutely asleep now. This is great. Okay, so I'm turning around here. You, you can hear me turn around. And uh, what the nice thing that, that he's done here in this collection, the Academia, the Jedi Nazi, the Luca, uh, that's pretty good, right? <laughs> is he's actually put all of the carded vintage versions, not inside of cases. So he has many cases of lots of prototypes and vintage ephemera, which we won't be able to get to all of. And if you want to get to all of it, you can go to... LukeJedi.info. LukeJedi.info, which is his website, which is... How did you describe it earlier today, Sean? My checklist of everything that I need for my collection. Yes, a lot of people have uh, websites for their focus, and I believe yours is the most updated, most complete. It is the most successful of all those. And I say that as someone who has a focus website that I've not updated, I think, this millennium. I don't know if I've updated this millennium. So getting back to the story, he put all of his vintage figures in a line, uh, and they just go along sort of the top of, what do you call this part of a room? A lintel? What? What? A soffit. A soffit. Thank you. Yehuda jumped in with a soffit. Uh, I don't have much of a green thumb. I don't really know how to build a house. Um, I do am wearing a green shirt that is getting darker as I sweat through it. Um, and we see an entire amazing run. And I'm just going to try to sort of say, I'm, I'm going to sort of guess what they are. So he debuted on a 65 back, of course, right? So... The very first one over here, what makes this 65 back with a green lightsaber different than the 65 back with a green lightsaber next to it? This is a quiz. Do you know the answer, Sean? <laughs> I know that first one has the cape folded in the baggie, and I believe it's the uh, molded face, which is thought to be the first Luke. Okay, so these are differences I didn't know anything about. So the cape, which by the way, which by the way, I think the cape is lame. We can go into this. In, in, okay, I'll come back to the cape. So the cape was sometimes folded. What are the two versions of the cape in a carded Luke Jedi figure? There's actually three versions. One's folded in the a baggie, and then there's also loose, and then there's also one with a green wrapper. And then you have to throw in the snap cape, and that adds just you know another couple variations. So sometimes the cape snaps, and other times the cape does what? 
It's just sewn. It's, sewn. Yep. it's just sewn. Okay. So then, did you, Bob, try to put it in as close to chronological order as possible? Yes, as best as I could figure out. So I'm confused because, from what I can tell, that's a green lightsaber in there, and I thought that in the beginning, Kenner made a mistake, and they gave Luke a blue lightsaber instead of a green lightsaber, and that was at first. So why is the first one in your collection, why does it have a green lightsaber? Uh, because I'm, I don't have the blue lightsaber version. Oh, no. <laughs> Are you kidding? There's something in this room. There's something you don't have. Now, now here's an interesting question. What question do you think I'm going to ask next? Oh, you think I'm going to ask if, if Sean has it? You know, that's actually a pretty good question right there. Now, the, for the audience at home, you know, what's the answer going to be? Does he have it? Does he not? I'm, I'm going to let you flip a coin, see if you think he has an answer. Does Sean Kempel have the blue lightsaber with the cape? Baggy. Baggy. Snap? No. Snap. Whatever. Yeah. Sean, does he have it? I do not. Oh, okay. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's All right, that's fine. Actually, now, now Matthias is going to sleep. <laughs> I swear, they are like the three little bears over here. <laughs> they, yeah, it's warm. This is a comfortable couch. This is great. I swear, this, this interview is going well. You just wouldn't know it based on the... <laughs> Mac, if you wouldn't mind taking pictures of the, of the Sleeping Beauties over here at some point, that'd be great. When they all go out, that'd be awesome. Okay, so, you, so that's like... A really is that a really rare thing that you've looked for, or have you not looked that hard? Uh, I've looked for it, but just recently became known that it existed. Okay, and you, do you know of one that that where it is and how to find it? I don't. I'm not sure of either. Wow. Okay. So then that would have come first, but did they make blue lightsabers and green lightsabers at the same time, Sean? Yes, they did. You can find them both on the earliest 65 backs, and the difference. This gets a little technical, but different factories and where they were made. Um, Taiwan are blue, or uh, green, and Hong Kong are blue. Wow, so this is a lot of detail that I didn't know. And so at what point did they just get rid of all blue lightsabers? Are there after 65 backs, or, or when's the last blue lightsaber Luke Jedi figure? Um, they went all through the all three 65 back variations, so after the 65C. Okay, so that's as many as you can find. Has there been an uptick? in Blue Saber, Luke Jedi, since Force Awakens? No? Okay. He, he's shaking his head no, which isn't the best answer, but that's okay. It is hot in here. It expends energy to speak. Um, yeah, because I know, I know that I, as a collector, kind of want one more because I feel that that connects the two trilogies a little bit better. Um, but it's already... Now, what's like the going price of a Blue Lightsaber, Luke Jedi? This will be our Market Watch part. One dollar flicks. Market Watch. Or do you guys know or you haven't bought one in so long? I haven't bought one in so long. Yeah, it's been a while, but I think between three and five hundred dollars. Okay. Okay, between three and five hundred dollars. All right, so we're going to keep on going down the sixty-five back trail because this is, to my mind, one of the most complete Jedi carded runs you could possibly have because it's a figure that only appeared in Jedi, and yet somehow, how many different vintage carded figures are there here? I have 29. 29 for one figure. That, that is quite, quite a bunch. Okay, so then I assume we have 65A, 65B. So then you get to the, the uh, Free the Emperor offer, which of course is the C. And then you have a coin offer. Is that your only coin offer sticker? That's my only coin offer sticker. Do you have one of those, Sean? I do, yep. Is it, is it on the same uh, offerless card front? 
I bu- mine's a 77 back. I don't yeah, know. That's yeah. So have you ever seen a double offered? Uh, have you ever seen a double offered one? Yeah, I've seen a 65C with a blue saber and the coin offer. Wow. And and yeah. did it did it sell? And you just didn't win it, or? Uh, from what I recall, it went for a, a good price. <laughs> like I wasn't ready to pay. Yeah. Okay. That's that's to me is one of the sweetest things you can have. Then you have the the Anakin offer, which is quite nice. Which part of what's been nice about this trip is one of the days we went to the world's greatest Darth Vader uh, collection, right? And that's sort of one end of the Star Wars spectrum. But then the whole point of the entire series is Luke versus Darth Vader, which is the most beautiful thing you could possibly have. So having a Luke Jedi with a free Anakin Skywalker offer is one of the more poetic ones you can have. And I imagine that's not – is that too, very hard to track down? Uh, what, which offer was it again? The, uh, the Anakin offer. Sorry. <laughs> um, that one's not <laughs> – wait, that was uh, – Okay. <laughs> So, so Yehuda's laughing his head off because that because <laughs> you gave him prologue. It was so beautiful. Yeah. What <laughs> 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 uh, You brought me to tears. Uh, so, you know, I totally agree with this guy. This yeah. is what a great point. Actually, I was. <laughs> uh, it's great. It's great to have so many great friends to make sure I don't get a big head. Uh, <laughs> All right, so I, I don't even know. I don't care about the answer to that question. Is. All right, we'll, we'll kind of keep on moving here. Uh, and then there's a two-pack with, uh, with Luke and Bib Fortuna. And are they really hard to find two-packs with the Luke Jedi? There's about six out there, I believe. And is there a reason you don't have all six? Uh, well, I only need one of it, and it's with Bib. You can't really get a better combination. Yeah, that's true. I mean, maybe the Emperor. That would, be, although, I don't think Emperor ever comes in two-packs, now that I think about it. I wonder why that is. Yeah, Wait, like why? Meeting. Why? Why are there no Emperor two packs? It, it probably would fit in yeah. the bigger part of the bubble. Yeah, that's yeah. that's strange. Anyway, and then we we keep going and we hit this amazing foreign run, including one of my favorite pieces, which is a <laughs> Canadian forty eight back with the offer for I guess that was offer for Nien Num, right? And that's just great because it's got all the extra French writing, a Lily Lady. A Revenge Proof, which I don't know why that's just thrown in there. Uh, the famous Yan Solo with uh, Luke Jedi in there, which is the only Luke Jedi item that I own. And I've told this story several times. Um, now, Yehuda's here, and uh, at Celebration 6, I was trying to sell this. I was trying to sell it at Celebration 6 for $50. I tried to sell it at Celebration f- 4 and 5 for $20. Nobody ever bought it. Part of the reason no one ever bought it was, and I'm about to say a swear here, I put a sign next to it that just said, Bubble equals fucked. And for some reason, people saw that, and they said, I don't want that insanely rare, foreign, miscarded variation of the two most important male characters in my favorite movie. I'm just going to keep on moving on. Um, but this one is actually in much better condition. It's not resealed. The bubble does not equal fucked. The bubble equals fine. Um, and then you were discussing, sometimes it has a gun and sometimes it doesn't. Why, why do you think that is, Sean? Uh, I think it was just whatever they had at the factory. It seems like they just had uh, the card backs and threw the loose figures in, and yeah, I, I don't know for sure. But. Yeah, it's it's one of the, the, the real mysteries. And then he has six different tri-logos, and I'm just afraid to ask 
because, you know, uh, at least one person in this room is already out, and I have a hard time with the bubbles. Is that the main thing? Is the differences between the bubbles and whether or not they come from Macau or something else like that, Bob? Right. There's four different bubbles. There's the Macau, and then there's a clipper. Try that. Yeah, the, the clipper's pretty nice because it has a little sticker on it. And then, of course, he has the archive party card backs. All of them, because he is a two-time sponsor of the Archive Party. As of the recording of this show, there are still eight spots left to be a sponsor of the Archive Party. If you want to take place, if you want to take part, you want to do something for a great cause, you can do something and uh, donate your money to our party. You'll have fun at our party and you'll get all, these awesome, all, the, all this awesome swag. Anyway, just a little pitch for that, because somehow we don't have all the sponsors filled. There is one correction. Yes, there is no revenge proof. You had said there was a revenge proof up there. That's oh, wait. Told Toys card back because I had, that's another one I'm missing carded. Oh, so you're missing. Okay, so it's a 48 back. So it's a 48 back Told Toys. No, 65 back Told Toys Luke Jedi card back, and he doesn't actually have it. Of course, there's nothing in this room. That would say Revenge of the Jedi on it, because that would just be stupid to have a Luke Jedi figure that says Revenge of the Jedi on it. I'm not walking over to a very interesting piece that says Revenge of the Jedi on it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to move down the couch. So to give you an image of what I'm looking at right here, I'm looking at six people on a very large couch. Okay, uh, I have the uh, the entire uh, I have the entire Kemple family, husband and wife. I have the host. I have Sleeping on Salvatore, I have Matthias, and I have Yehuda. I have both of the Big Moore brothers also in the room, one sitting on the floor, the other leaning up against an arcade game. He'll probably hit it at some point with his elbow, and we'll start hearing the theme to joust. <laughs> so, because Matthias is here, I would like him to explain to us what is... Can I even take this down? Okay, so this is... And I'm, I don't want to knock this over. Uh, we're going to have to wake Ron up to sing that in a second. But this is a beautiful double case. And this is one of my favorite things in this whole room. On the right side, there is a Luke uh, Skywalker Jedi Knight outfit uh, proof, a common proof card with a 65 back. And to the left is a very strange-looking item that says Revenge of the Jedi with a piece of tape over it that says the number 5. And what looks like to be letter set, black and white picture of Luke Jedi. And it's some kind of crazy mock-up thing. And now Matthias is going to explain to us what is this, provided that he knows what it is. But I think he does, because he's working on a book. Try not to wake up wrong. <laughs> okay, this is the mock-up, uh, like one of the early stages for the packaging design process for Luke Jedi. And at this time, uh, Kenner had done the Revenge of the Jedi proof cards, and to, and which only consisted of like uh, Sphere era and ESP era figures. So to see what will, uh, how the first return figures would look like, they took the revenge proofs and they made photostats of uh, the artwork they were going to use. Now, now what is a photostat? Oh, wait, wait. Vintage vocab. Vocab. Okay, it, it's I can't I I, th I probably can't can't explain that because so it won't be a vintage vocab. No vintage vocab. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it's like a high quality uh, old school copy, uh, which is on like a better piece of paper and then a Xerox kind of thing. 
Um, so a super fine Xerox used for professional printers and advertisers and designers that is a lot higher quality, a lot more DPI, right, a lot more uh, detail in it, and then they could affix it onto the card back. And it's in black and white because it's a Xerox machine, basically. Let's say so, yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, so they took the, they, they picked the, which, which photographer from the movie they should use uh, from a 35mm slide and made a print out of it and they pasted that onto it and then uh, did the same thing for the, for the name and the nameplates. Uh, and sometimes on these mock-ups, I think there are like maybe less than 10 around uh, for different characters. Sometimes they were ahead of the game and they used uh, already photoshopped uh, images, like in this instance. You mean already airbrushed? Already airbrushed, yeah, sorry. Uh, like in this case. And sometimes you could see on these mock-ups that it was before the photo art were, uh, was created. Right, so a couple months ago we interviewed Bill Wills, who owns the photo art to the Luke Jedi image, and that the photo art was sent to presumably LPK in Cincinnati, and it would be actually airbrushed so that it would look right in the card. In this case, they extended out Luke's robe so that uh, instead of seeing whatever was weird thing was in front of him, it just goes straight down in black. And actually looking at it now, it looks weird. I don't think they did a good job, but... Well. And and maybe most important thing is like to pick the revenge card that had a color they were going to use. So this time they picked Luke Bespin because he has a green backer, uh, which uh, Luke Jedi was supposed to have as well. Yeah, so it's just an absolute beautiful piece, uh, definitely one of a kind, and only 10 of anything like that. Um, my hope is that that is, is this featured on the archive? Do you know, Bob? I don't know if that one's on the archive or not. Okay. It's not. Okay, Matias says it's not. So I better put this down. I better not put this back myself. <laughs> okay, Bob's going to put it back. There you go. What about Sean, what would you like to be talked about? Sitting here, is there something here that you think people... Because this is the Luke Jedi time to shine, you know? I mean, you guys are here. We've already had another Jedi collector going. Is there something either in this room or in general that you think you know, should be talked about? Well, I know you love 2D, but there is the 3D section as well. That I, I would uh, like to hear some more about that. Okay, so for those who are interested in pre-production uh, items that are 3D, uh, why don't we take maybe two of the most interesting items here, because uh, well, maybe Yehuda can, can, can join in with his thoughts about what they are, although, although we don't know. He doesn't look. No, we can't. Okay. So, so which? Uh, you, why don't we even uh, kind of stand up and come over here? Uh, you can't. St- you can stand up if you want when you're listening, unless you're on a lawnmower. Um, so I'm gonna open this up, and, and we're gonna look, and I'm gonna see lots of things in here. I see some molds, and uh, what, what's the story with those molds? Are those are the top toys heads. Okay. So then that's from the Argentinian. Uh, toy line, Top Toys, and there's a big find of a bunch of the molds, uh, and that is the mold. Do you have anything else from the Top Toys run? I also have the hard copy Luke Jedi figure. And is the figure itself any different than the uh, the, the standard Kenner figure? Oh, yeah. Well, it's a lot less detailed. Okay. And is it, is it smaller, too? Yeah, it's smaller and doesn't have the footholes on the bottom. Yeah. And that... 
And that's pretty awesome. I actually, you see, this is what happens to me. I'm here and I'm looking at this mold, which is one of a kind, amazing, responsible for creation of all those things. And do you know what I'm thinking in my head? I'm thinking of going back all the way over here to look at the stupid carded foreign version and then look at the writing on it and it says, Maestro Jedi. And that's just what makes me happy, is that he's not a Jedi Knight, he's a maestro. He's a Jedi maestro. So this is the Jedi maestro head mold. Uh, so that's pretty sweet. Is that your favorite of these uh, pre-production items, or is there another pre-production item uh, here that you'd like to talk about? Actually, the uh, proto-mold body and the hard copy head that's in the back. So it's a proto-mold body and a hard copy head. I know we've talked about proto-molds before. Yehuda, is there a chance you could describe what a proto-mold is in less than 11 and a half minutes? Okay, Ron's here. He just pointed to Ron. Ron's awake. We got him some coffee. Actually, we didn't get him coffee. Could someone get Ron some coffee? Oh, wait. We're not that kind of show. Uh, Ron, Ron's waking up. Can he describe what proto-molding is while waking up on a couch in a room that is 785,000 degrees? Uh, yeah, it's... Um, uh, within Kenner... If they wanted to make early prototypes without, you know, to use for photography or toy shows or, you know, toy fair or something like that, they would, um, they could make low-yield aluminum molds or tools at Kenner and make injection-molded figures out of those and use those figures for photography or whatever um, rather than do a hard copy, which is kind of more fragile and just more of a pain to make. So that's kind of a way to to uh, turn out a bunch of prototypes fairly quickly, whereas uh, regular figures are made out of steel production molds, you know, typically overseas. So proto-molds are cheaper and faster, and there's usually other higher quantities of those that have survived? No, I mean, it's usually... I mean, there's a few early ones that are kind of different uh, as far as uh, their characteristics, but most of them are late Empire or Jedi on... Um, and I'd say the mold quality tends to be a little bit worse than uh, a production figure. Also, they tend to be constructed differently. So they'll have like one-piece torsos rather than a torso and two halves. Um, so that's one of the things to look for sometimes. So then why would he have a hard copy head on top of it? Would that have gone together, the proto-molded uh, body and the hard copy head? Sometimes. Uh, we, there's been some that are found that like, I haven't seen that one, so I don't know. But um, I have, say, like a... Lay a hoth that's got proto-molded limbs, and then the rest of it is cast urethane, which I think it's because they changed the the size of the limbs of that figure after they were sculpted. So I think that's that had something to do with that, but I don't know off the top of my head why. So is so then proto-molded is made out of just plastic? Is that is that the material that it is? Oh boy, Yehuda does want to talk. He's excited. His his belly's poking out of his shirt. It's good. Well, it's like a first shot that's made in Cincinnati from the aluminum molds, different than the first shots that were made overseas and then sent back for Kenner approval. And those were the ones that were made out of steel mold, made from steel molds. And those steel molds ultimately were used to make the production figures. So these proto-molded figures you can consider an in-house first shot type figure where they were saying, okay, let's do our own, just really get a feel of it before we go to the process of making steel molds overseas, which was a very expensive process. Now, why, why would the head be hard copy and why would a head be hard copy and not the rest like would they just do that because the head needs more detail needs more skill what's that do you know oh he's not pointing to it oh he's taking it out of the shelf oh here comes matthias 
just guessing here. It could be the molded head they changed, like with, with Ron's lay half. They sh- re-sculpted the, the legs, and maybe uh, they re-sculpted uh, uh, Luke's head during the process. But they had the low aluminum molds uh, for the body, and then they cast new a new head. So yeah, that's a wild guess. Okay, now this is getting exciting because Ron doesn't even know where this came from. He's never seen it before. So wh- where does this come from, Bob? Uh, Bill Wills is where I picked it up from. Okay, wow. No, that's that awesome. was a fine him and, him I think, and Tracy Hamilton. I think Matthias is right and that the the head was redone and that's why it's a hard copy. I think they this figure I don't know if people know what this figure was I'm actually planning a blog post on this just to re- reiterate, but the the Luke Jedi figure was the last figure finished for the first wave of Jedi because Kenner had to redo the old the whole thing late in the game and so they were pressed for time and uh because obviously the original figure had the robes, um, which was a mistake, or either that or Lucasfilm changed the design, and then they had to scrap that and start again. And so there's paperwork out there that shows that really late in the game that that figure still had not been done. So my guess is there was some sort of, they probably at some point could have had a protomolded head, but it, it was probably changed, and so the new sculpt for the head was used to make the hard copy to put that thing together. But I'd say that's a pretty cool example of um, kind of illustrates what the, the, the revisions that the figure went through and how it was finished pretty late. That's awesome. That's, that's, really awesome. that's probably my... I didn't see that before, but that's probably my favorite thing here. It's because you were asleep, Ron. It's, uh, it's hard to see things from the... except the back of your eyeball, back of your eyelids. I wasn't sure what it was. <laughs> But urethane and plastic could be together on one piece because they were both in-house Cincinnati pieces. So it's not plastic that was brought over from the steel molds from yeah, well, they were the made, Orient. They were made by the the guys at Kenner. So I mean, they could they could have hacked together uh, something in any number of ways. So. so that's another thing that we haven't even talked about yet on the show, which is Luke in Jedi robes. So they nesh, they initially when did was this discovered, Ron? This was discovered like. I, like three years ago or something, like the, no, the, the I mean, Luke, because in a, it was a German catalog, right? The, no. A French catalog. French catalog. Yes. Okay, you get lots to know. <laughs> the figure, the Luke in robes figure has been known for, you know, since the 90s, and it was always a mystery. It was obviously a Luke. Well, when it first turned up, it was some debate whether it was even a Luke, but the, the guy who had it, who was a Kenner guy, insisted it was Luke. When you say had it, you mean there was a picture of... He had the hard, the, the prototype figure, the hard copy figure. Okay. Several parts. So um, he says that it was Luke, and then there was a debate for years about what the figure represented. And I would say there were a few camps. Um, a lot of people erroneously thought that it was a post-Power of the Force figure. And the same was thought about Gargan. That, that, that's not true. As far as I know, there's no evidence, solid 3D evidence of any post-Power of the Force figures. So both those figures were planned for early in the line. Um, the Luke would have been in the first wave of Jedi figures. I think Gargan may have been too. No, Gargan's probably a little bit later, but still, you know, not, not after Power of the Force. But anyway, so some people thought it was a late after Power of the Force thing. Other people thought it was for, like, Luke in his... Uh, the outfit he wears at the end of Empire Strikes Back on that medical ship... Which, but it doesn't resemble it all that much. It's just sort of rubbish. Um, and then other people thought it was for some sort of weird thing. Like my my guess or one of my theories early on was that maybe they were going to do a mail away or something. Like instead of Admiral Akbar, the first figure would have been 
like a, a almost like an EU figure of hey, see Luke Skywalker in his Jedi outfit, and then they decided not to do it. But as it turns out, uh, a French catalog turned up years later with a very early picture of all the early Jedi figures, the first wave, uh, at like a, a you know as an early promotional figure, probably at a toy a toy fair type event. And the Luke, all the figures are, are on pegs or on stands that have their names, and a lot of them are early names for the figures. I'm um, like, uh, what is it? Who's Woof. Klaatu is called Woof. <laughs> um, you know, stuff like that. So, Woof. And if you look at the Luke Jedi one, he's got the, the cloak on him because I think at that time they were maybe trying to hide the fact that the figure underneath was not the right figure. So it has the cloak, but if you can see underneath, it's a figure that's in robes, and that sealed the deal once and for all that it was an early Jedi figure. But prior to that, there was a lot of good evidence that it was actually early because there's a blueprint of it that uses the term Revenge of the Jedi, which they would not have used a few years after that. So pretty much when that turned up, it kind of had to be an earlier thing. It was just a question of what it represented. But anyway, so the question now and what the blog post that I was thinking of doing is what what's the story with that? I don't think Kenner just came up on that came up with that on their own. So presumably... Either Lucasfilm was planning to have the character wear something like that and they changed it, or there was a mistake and Kenner went through all the trouble to sculpt that thing and then someone was like, oh, that's not what Luke wears in the movie, which would have been a huge mistake. It's possible they saw designs for Anakin Skywalker and it maybe it didn't wasn't clear that it wasn't Luke and it just said Skywalker on it or something, and so they sculpted it wearing something like Anakin. Also, in the Jedi script... If you look at it, I have to go back and review to make sure my memory is accurate, but I think when it first describes Luke's outfit in the Return of the Jedi screenplay, it says he's wearing something similar to Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is exactly what the robes look like. But I don't think Kenner would have sculpted a figure based just on what it says in a screenplay. I think they're the holy grail of that, for Luke informational purposes, would be a Lucasfilm slide or an image showing Luke in an outfit like that, because then it would be like, oh, that's what they were thinking of when they sculpted that thing. So that's a good way to say, y'all are listening to the Star Wars Collector's Archive podcast. Keep up with the Star Wars Collector's Archive blog, because Ron comes up with amazing stuff just about every month, and I can tell that this is going to be another good post, and I think I'll probably end up well, using also- this hard copy... Head as further evidence of this yeah, kind of maybe, late yeah. late stage also, re-sculpting. Chris Jagulius has a great write-up on the archive now that's got not not ex- not some of the speculative stuff I was talking about, but that ha- goes through all the different phases of what's known. So I'm sorry, exactly how do you say his first name? Um, Chris. Chris. Okay. <laughs> he's too he's too tired to put up with that. You know, <laughs> Oh, right. but, but also, another favorite thing is that I love the, the lightsabers that he made himself. That's one of my favorite things here, too. Yeah, yeah. He, he has a... See, this is the thing. Is while we're plugging other things, he also has a 3D plastic printer, and he made vintage weapons that look like, you know, that are like real-sized vintage weapons. And those are great, and I love them. Um, but I don't want to talk about that. Uh, also, he met and danced with Michelle and Barack Obama. Um, we're not going to talk about that either, actually. Arnie and Marjorie from Star Wars Action News... Uh, were in here earlier, and they planned to talk to Bar- uh, to Barb. Why do I keep calling you Barb? They planned to talk to Bob later about that. And so you should listen to Star Wars Action News to hear the amazing story about how he met Michelle and how she kind of winked at him a little bit and made him a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> and uh, it, it was, I mean, the way you described it was sort of like nothing was said, but you knew what was felt. Exactly. Right, okay. Um, but anyway, so listen to Star Wars Action News if you want to hear uh, more from that story that may or may not, but definitely did not happen. 
Uh, oh boy, Ron's coming back. He's a little bit less angry at me. Here we go. The other thing too about the, the Luke Jedi figure is that after the robes figure, um, the, the sculptor known as Bill Lemon sculpted the first version of the black outfit Luke. Or at least we pre- assume it's the first version uh, in acetate, which is a different material. And that, as far as I know, I used to have a hard copy that didn't have the head of that figure. And as far as I know, no one has ever found the head that would show what the Bill Lemon head looked like. Um, so that would have been a completely different sculpt made by Bill yeah. Lemon. And presumably the head was different too, but maybe maybe they retained Lemon's head. I'm not really sure. No one's ever seen it, so no one's sure. But that's sort of interesting, the fact that this one also has a different head. So it's possible they went through a lot of revisions with the heads. They but, did the same thing with Medine with Lemon. Lemon yes, made a yeah. nice Medine head, and they, and and they changed it to the comb over with the green mud. But, but in, the, in the case of the Luke, it's different than the Medine. The Medine, they just did the head over from acetate to wax. With the Luke, it, it seems like they redid the whole figure because it's the same outfit, but the whole pose and the details are different. So, But that just occurred to me. I'm like, oh, you know what? No one's ever seen the Lemon head, but this looks like it's the produ- a hard copy for the, the head that was produced. Not It would be awesome if it was different right. so much right. it was actually now this is i have to tell you this is part of the reason i'm not a good podcaster the entire time you were talking you're saying amazing things i was trying to think do i know a song by the Lemonheads? because that'd be really fun if i sang it and then i thought in my head oh i got it run away track never come back they're gonna wait that's soul asylum then i started thinking like what's the difference between soul asylum and Lemonheads? even dando right is he from boston i'm from boston and then i was like i looked up and then ron was still talking i was like oh my god i, I gotta get back to it does anybody know any Lemonhead songs Nobody. Yeah. Anyways, the guy was really hot. That's all I remember. Um, yeah. So, so I, I mean, not, you know. So it all comes out. Yes. It, uh, it, it, all, it all comes out. So Bill Lemon, and so no one's ever even seen pictures of Bill Lemon's original Luke Jedi head out of acetate as opposed to wax. That's pretty amazing. I, I mean, nobody's ever seen the actual acetate either. But the hard copy that's out there, or there's pieces of hard copies. I don't think there's a complete one that I've seen anyway. Um, if you know what to look for, you know, you, you, it's obvious it's a lemon sculpt, so he sculpted that figure. But as far as I know, yeah, I've never seen a photo showing what the head of that would look like. I mean, to most eyes, the big difference is that the lemon sculpt has, the arms are straight, whereas in the other ones, one is bent quite a bit and the other one's bent a little, but there's lots of little other details in the outfit as well that are different. Okay. And you, again, you can see that on the archive. It's a shame about Ray, says Pat. Thank you, Pat. <laughs> can you sing it? How, how do you sing? No? Okay, well, I'll find it. I'll put it on later. The whole thing will be... I didn't even know he was listening. He's in the other room. He's hanging out. Okay. Uh, it's hard to stay focused. Get, get it? Focus? Okay. Uh, so we're going to do kind of, kind of a, uh, a lightning round here. i got to see if I can remember the questions without my computer. I have a lot of space freaks here, so I should be able to remember. The first one, oh, of course. What? what? Lemonhead song. Yes. What, <laughs> what is your favorite song by either Lemonheads or Soul Asylum or uh, uh, the Spin Sisters? Spin Dragons? Spin Doctors. Actually, people said I, I look like the singer from Spin Doctors, so... Um, yeah, that was bad. <laughs> no, that was bad. Okay, so what is your favorite bad line of dialogue from a Star Wars film? Once again, mine is... Please Fire the big gun. Oh, God. You guys know. You're just trying to make me look bad. You guys know my favorite bad line from a Star Wars movie. Land over there with some stuff. Pilot land over there by that assembly area. Come on, Yehuda. Oh, 
God, this hurts. <laughs> okay, so what's your what's your favorite line, Bob? A bad line from a Star Wars movie. I'm going to caveat this to let people remember that I hang around Martin Thurn a lot. So, <laughs> so my bad line is actually from Force Awakens. It's uh, Snoke when he says, uh, "The droid we seek is with your father, Han Solo." Well, like the son doesn't know who the hell his father is. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty that's a that's a pretty good point. He's like, "With your father, Han Solo, played by Harrison Ford, who was the same guy from the last three movies, not the new ones with Jar Jar, but the old last three ones." <laughs> Be purchased on Amazon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow. So he actually he actually went with with the post-Lucas era. Uh, what's your favorite bad line from a Star Wars movie? Uh, I just went blank, so I'm just going to go with the Toshi Station power converter line, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. always the go-to. <laughs> well, I think that was a real like like revel- revelation when you realized that was a bad line delivered poorly. That, that was kind, <laughs> yes. of a, kind of an exciting moment. Um, I'm now going to have a, a what-if question that I just came up with right now. <laughs> I don't like the card art that they chose. I don't like that for Luke Jedi they went with Jabba instead of fighting the Emperor. Do you wish that it could have been different? Could you, if you could pick a different image, would you? And what would it be? I like the image, but I like the skiff image actually better. Oh, yeah, where he's, where he's saying there and he's got the lightsaber and he's looking for it. Because I don't like that they put the emphasis on the gun. That's not, Luke Jedi is not about a gun. He's about his new lightsaber. My theory is that they chose that to hide the lightsaber but to make it less important because, you know, to hide it because it would become so important later. But okay, I think it's because oh, wait, he here comes Mac. What's that? Because in the beginning he has the robe and that was the f- accessory for the figure. That's a good point. I think we have the correct answer there. Yeah, I, I, I think it, that was why he had the accessory. And that's the other thing. I don't like the accessory. I don't like that robe. I think it looks dumb. When he's wearing it, he looks like he's too hot, like I am in this room. That's not how I associate it. I, I don't think that the felt looks very good. I don't think it really quite works. Um, so do you like the image the way it is, or would you change it if you could? I think the, well, the original is okay, but I'd go with Bob on the sail barge image. I think fighting the Emperor would just be too dark with where the jedi card is black anyway with the red yeah it's, it's a little too much i like what they did with the the vintage collection where they had him on the walkway confronting vader with the stormtrooper in the back um one i like i always like images with stormtroopers in the back but also that that was a great moment with the you know it's not too late i've good in you i can feel it whatever you're like my sister okay good so let's get let's continue on with the line here um if uh Hey, Yehuda, do, we, do I do the burning house or the grail item? What's, burning house. I do the burning house first? Okay. <laughs> so, Bob, if Sean got into a state of absolute jealous fury, and he got so angry that he just burned down the entire house out of spite, and you could only grab one item in this room, what would be the one item and why? I think it would be the proto-mold with the hard copy head. Are you sure you don't you don't mean the uh, the original one that you got from the theater back in 1997 that reminds you of being 10 years old? Nope. <laughs> yes, good. That, that happens to be my personal. I mean, I would actually go with the mock-up because I think that's that's beautiful. Um, but uh, Matthias, what what would you go for if there's only one item you could grab in here and you could steal from this place? Me. Uh, <laughs> he's he's thinking. I think it would be probably the revenge mock-up or yep. the power of the force chromalin. Yeah, I said either the revenge mock-up or the power of the force chromalin. And now leading to Sean, okay? So let's pretend 
that this isn't the same thing as a grail question, but let's pretend before you burned his house down, <laughs> you, you could grab three items from his collection. What three would they be? I never got to do a focus collector interview with two focus collectors in the guy's house. This is awesome. This is yesterday. I I I, I re, yesterday I recorded this thing between um, Mike Ritter and Elling, where they were both had, like trying to figure out if they were going to buy this R2D2 item, and it was great. So okay, so what what three items would you take? Uh, it'd have to be the the mock-up on the Revenge card, the Power Force Chromalin. And the uh, proto mold with the hard copy head. <laughs> All right, so so those appear to be the appear to be it. Now, uh, I always I always forget exactly where in the Midwest are you? You are in Kansas. Yeah, really close. Uh, the neighboring state of Utah. Utah. Utah's kind of Kansas. Is Kansas close to Utah? Uh, not that I believe. No. Okay. Uh, like Provo. Yeah, that's Salt Lake City. Yeah, south of Provo. Just south of Provo. Okay, I actually don't know where Provo is. I just like saying it. South of Salt Lake. Okay, south of Salt Lake, south of Provo. Okay. So um, if the salt caught fire, because salt is flammable, and and burned down your house, you could only grab one item, what what would that be? Um, It'd probably be my... I've got a 65 back proof card. Okay. (laughs) Bob stole all the pre-production, so that's one of the few (laughs) items I've got. But... (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome, and that's, I actually managed to get one of those for my brother. It's all beat up, and it's like torn on the bottom, so it wasn't that expensive back then, so I was able to get that, and that's, he doesn't know how nice it is. That's how, I buy things for my brother, and they don't know how nice they are, and I look at them like, you sure you still want that? Yeah, it's neat. It's neat. It's a Luke Jedi proof. Okay. Now, uh, as far as Grail items go, um, we'll, we'll stay with Shawnee. I'm sorry, Sean, that we haven't asked you more questions. It's a little bit hard in his house. So, so what is your uh, Grail? What's the thing you're looking for the most? Um, I would love to just own an unpainted hard copy. Okay. And, and, and do you know where any of them are? Um, I've seen a couple in collections and one that was available a few years ago, but it was uh, out of my price range. It's, so, yeah. Oh, that, that burns. You've actually yeah. seen one for sale. Yes. <laughs> so that there's hope, but you'd have to sell a lot more salt yes, I would. in order to get it. Do you sell salt? Is that your job? <laughs> no, I don't. What, what is your job? I work in uh, at a university there, UVU in IT. Okay, so you work in IT at a university, and you also work at a university, Bob. You work at what, what do you do in what capacity? I Construction project management at, at the University of Maryland. And so your, your animal is the Terrapins? Correct. The Terrapins? And, wait, UVU, let me think. It is the salt monsters? You got it. The wolverines. The wolverines. Okay. Uh, now, what, what, is, uh, what, what is your, uh, your grail, Bob? Uh, my grail would be any of the Jedi robes uh, figures or that, that are available, but those are, you know, as Ron pointed out, nothing, nothing's available, but uh, that's an interesting piece of the history of it. Awesome. And now, Yehuda, I get to go to the big existential question now, right? Yes. I get to finally go to my happy place and ask the question? Okay. Sean and Bob, if you were a piece of vintage Star Wars memorabilia, not what would you like to be, not what do you want to be, but what do you feel you truly are? Bob has the first answer. Yeah, I think I'd be Lobot. Oh, boy, Lobot. All right. Why would you be Lobot? Uh, because I'm quiet, and but I get stuff done behind the scenes. Nice. Uh, hi, l- let me see your blink. 
Uh, you see, you see, see it, it, right there, you have your headphones on at home and you're listening and you're actually getting ready to see a blank. It was amazing. It was the Lobot blank. I should have asked what's your favorite Lobot line. But, um, do, do you like puff, puffy blouses? Uh, yes, of course. Yeah, okay. All right, that's very good. So he's quiet and he gets things done, much like Lobot. Now, now do you have an answer, Sean? Uh, sure. I'm looking at a skiff right now, so I'll just say a skiff, because that looks like they're having a great party over there, you know? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and, and, and you like to... Interesting people. <laughs> and you like to have a party. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, you know what? Uh, he's right. Actually, Ron, so I'm very happy to see here, we don't accept any sponsorship except one time six years ago... Six... <laughs> Ron says he's not going to sing the song, but six years ago... We had a sponsor for Mortarheads. Mark Enright makes uh, Mortarhead images of Star Wars characters, and he has a very nice Luke Jedi. What I like about this Luke Jedi is anybody could have just done it and made it with black hair. But look at how much reflection he put on the hair, which makes me look at the card back of Luke Jedi and go, holy cow, there is so much white reflection on the Luke Jedi head. Like, I'd like to see the photo art and see if they just went in and really hit it really hard. So that's a mortar head. Um, and I once wrote a sponsor for $2. Now, Matthias is actually an advertising executive. On the way over here, we were watching, like, pre-production commercials for Swedish supermarket chains. I'm not joking. So I would like him to judge my commercial for Mortarheads and see if, if I get the account, okay? Fair enough. More the heads, heads, more the heads. heads. If you want Star Wars characters made in cement, cement. more the heads. Do I, do I get the account, Matthias? Yeah, probably this could go viral uh, and be the, like the worst commercial ever. So, yeah, congrats. Worst commercial ever. When, when Ron sings it, it's great. But anyways, awesome, great. Well, we're gonna, I'm going to cut back to a conversation with Steve that I'm going to record next week. But thank you, everybody in this room, and especially thank you to Sean, especially thank you to Bob for uh, ushering us into the return of the Jedi era of the Star Wars Collector's Archive podcast. Okay, y'all. So right after this, there was actually a really sweet moment where I received an amazing gift. And I recorded a whole bunch of stuff about that gift. But you're not going to hear it now. Do you know why? Because I want this to come in around three hours. And I don't think a podcast should be longer than three hours. I actually don't think it should be longer than two hours. But hey, you get what you pay for. Which is nothing. The exception of the ad for $2 six years ago from Waterheads. Um, also, wanted to, to tease this. So next month, you're going to hear me getting that special gift from Bob Martinazzi. You're also going to hear an interview with my brother, Amos, who you've never heard from, who is the Luke Jedi collector. We're going to kind of finish up the Luke Jedi thing, and he's going to tell some fun personal stories about me when I was a kid. And also, there's one more stop on the Kessel Run that I forgot about, and we're going to hear from that. You're going to hear some pretty crazy stuff about one of the most bonkers collections I've ever heard. So let's get back to Steve and I as we wrap up the show. And look forward to number 77 with even more content from 76. All right, Steve. So that was the interview uh, with Bob and Sean and featuring Mac and Alex and featuring Matthias and uh, Ron and Yehuda. It's been it's been a, a crazy month with your wedding. And uh, I feel like you know, your, uh, your wedding, a four-day Star Wars party. Bar mitzvah, school starting. It's just been it's it's been it's a lot a lot going on. All good. Yes, all good. And now it's now it's my birthday. And I do have a little bit of happy news as far as self birthdays and not needing a grandmother. 
You can get <laughs> you can get my documentary on the internet now, Steve. Really? Yes. So awesome. as my birthday gift to, to the world, I, I am going to be announcing how to do that. <laughs> so just type in these words into Google. You just type in go 90, right? Like go and then the number 90 and then Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. And if you type that, you see go 90 in a galaxy. It's the first thing that pops up and you see the video. Now, if you're outside of America, you can't watch it still which means mm. that most of the people that are in the video don't get to see it. But there you go. If you want to see what a room sale looks like at Celebration, this is the video that shows it. Oh, that's great. So that's ah, what I'll say as far news. as self-serving things uh, with my birthday. <laughs> Only one last thing to do, Steve. Jeez. Oh, don't have much more time left in the season. I don't think I'm going no. to pull out a surprise victory, Steve. I don't no, think... There's one thing you can guarantee, and that, that is me... Holding down last place, right? I mean, the last time I looked was probably three weeks ago. It might have been the last time we recorded. <laughs> was the last time I looked. Wow. I just gave up. I just, I mean. You give up not every that I ever year, had... Steve, before the season, oh, yeah. before it starts, you give up. Yeah, that's true. But uh, currently I am in one, two, three, four. I'm in fifth place. And uh, Steve, you are in, oh, last place. <laughs> <laughs> So I hope everybody enjoyed it. Let us know. Uh, please do let us know. Okay, if you're watching yeah, us on yeah. uh, on YouTube, make a comment in the comment section. If you're listening uh, on iTunes, hey, you know I would appreciate it if you guys would subscribe. You can just subscribe, and uh, that way we get more attention on iTunes. Uh, if you left a comment on iTunes, that would be a good birthday gift to me. You can just say like, "Yep, happy birthday, Sky." And who knows? Maybe in the future, I'll look back. And see how many comments said happy birthday and, and I'll like give you a prize or I might not. You just do it because you like the show. Um, did you ever give that star taught to Richard? Heck yes, I did. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> heck yes, I did. I made a whole big deal out of it on the show. Yeah. That's Yeah, I just remember for the longest time, every, every couple months that would come up. <laughs> yeah, I did it. I did it. Good, I may good. not Like the great Kanye West once said oh no you should be honored by my lateness and i think about that steve as i turn 39 the same age as kanye west the same age as the great tom brady i think of myself not necessarily in their class but i feel kindred spirit with them that I am to vintage Star Wars podcasts as they are to their respective fields. <laughs> oh, oh, no, no abuela for you, Sky. No abuela for Sky. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was the International Collectors event. That was Luke Jedi. This was probably not a shorter episode, but that's okay no. because it, it was a good one. And uh, next month, we're going to get to Revenge of the Jedi items, and we're going to talk about Akbar, a figure that Steve knows a lot yep. about, and Steve will be able to do it. So, uh, as, uh, as it is written, and as Todd Chamberlain has made us so bold to say, Wampa Wampa! Adios! Action figures are not yet available, but this Star Wars early bird certificate package is in stores with its colorful Star Wars picture display set and certificate.